This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO. Or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 156. My name is Nick Howell. And disturbed by how much Chad Gable looks like Bud Bundy after discovering protein drinks and CrossFit, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. He does! Look at him! It's it's Chad Bundy. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. (laughs) This week, it was uh, a very, very busy week for us, largely because, not because of WWE, by the way. The main roster of WWE is a little bit slow. There's a ton of stuff happening in the wide world of wrestling, so that segment's going to be huge this week. We have tons to talk about, whether it's... Uh, AEW's All Out, which is coming this Saturday. Uh, NXT UK's TakeOver Cardiff, also Saturday. The Super J Cup in New Japan happened. Plus, NXT had a baller show this week. So there's tons to talk about all over the map, Nick. But before we get into that, I, I want to say, are you are you calm again, sir? If, you were, if you're one of our, our amazing members of our live chat when we go live here on YouTube every week, they just sat with us while we had some technical hurdles before we got the show underway. So... Thank you to them for that. But, uh, Nick, are you? has your heart stopped pounding now? Are you doing okay over there? Absolutely not, because I'm excited to do a wrestling podcast. It's always incredible. Hey. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm you know, they, they, there's that weird anxiety that hangs over you when you uh, do this kind of stuff. And first times of doing a two-PC setup and route, yeah, there's a little bit of anxiety. But so far, nothing crazy. It looks great. We got to get the delay dialed in, but... I think we're almost there. So yeah. that well, said, and, and, uh, hey, uh, if you guys aren't in our Facebook discussion group, come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Join all of the other <clears throat> phenomenal ones in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. We also have a Discord server now, a Discord community, which is basically live real time all the time. Uh, and it also, you can go back and read through other things there. So we're doing a bit of an experiment, trying out the new stuff because of some strong arming that Facebook is doing to us. Damn you, Facebook, making us change and shit. Uh, but at the same time, be sure there's a link uh, at the top of uh, the Facebook discussion group. Where you can find a link to the Discord. Get in there. If you're a patron, you get all kinds of rewards, special chat room to hang out with myself and Sir Ian. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, you can find the link over there, and we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, and you've got 
two days, two days left to get into our August, our inaugural Gleam giveaway uh, to be able to get access to some free merch. All you got to do is go in and verify that what I know all of you are already doing, and that's following us on all of our social channels and subscribe to us on YouTube, Twitch, all of the other good stuff because you want to be there because we got some big plans coming here in about a couple months. Uh, less than uh-huh. less than that, like a month and a yeah, like, couple weeks. Like six weeks. It's coming quick, man. Oh, it's coming quick. We're only I gotta like get two started. weeks That's... away from <laughs> NXT on USA, and then there's gonna be oh man, everything moves to Friday and October's like oh my god, it's uh, gonna be insane. It's gonna oh, be a crazy fall. Okay, all kinds of things happening. Even even NW uh, the uh, what NWA is gonna be starting up a TV show. Yeah. yeah, right. All kinds of oh my goodness! And last but certainly not least, we can't not thank the patrons. Thank you so much, patrons, for your contributions every single month. It means the world to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you want to get in on some of that exclusive access to bonus episodes, show notes, the ability to ask listener questions right here on the show, you can head over to Patreon.com, sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers, and get in and join <laughs> the phenomenal ones. I'm going to say that as many times as I can just to poke in throughout this show today <sighs> oh my goodness That's- but Ian, yes we have a ton of wrestling to go over uh that we have a pay-per-view happening this weekend in nxt uk oh my god there's just uh, uh, we're back into that rhythm again where we're getting ready to get into 27 pay-per-views over the course of a single weekend <laughs> and uh, I, i'm just i'm worried about that but uh before we get into all of that stuff let's head over and talk about the big news Well, speaking of those pay-per-views, one of them is AEW's All Out. And Mm. unfortunately, they're not all coming out for All Out because one of the biggest matches on the card was Jon Moxley versus Kenny Omega. And apparently, that's not happening because while he was in the G1 in Japan, it looks like Moxley picked up an infection uh, in his bursus, in his elbow there, uh, again, Remember, this is where he had an issue before. He went out for elbow surgery uh, last year and almost died due to a staph infection. So that elbow, I guess, never fully recovered. An infection came back in it. He's got bursitis, MRSA. He's not going to be able to compete. We actually reported last week that there was some sort of injury going on with his elbow. We weren't sure what it was. This week, he got the report from his doctor that it's very serious. Uh, He tweeted out, nightmare scenario. He's not going to be able to be there for, for all out. He won't be able to be there for StarCast 3. He's not going to be able to be there for uh, Bloodsport with, with Josh Barnett, who he was supposed to face. So he is out for about four weeks. He'll be back in time for AEW to d- debut on TV, but he's not going to be there for All Out. So mm. that's scary. Uh, AEW has pivoted already. Kenny Omega cut uh, an awesome promo calling out Moxley for quote, not being professional, and instead of preparing for their match, he went and had his fun in the G1, and Kenny said, that's great. Did you win? No, because I won my first one. Great little <laughs> promo that Kenny cut, uh, and they've already pivoted, and they found someone else to replace John Moxley, who, at this point, I, I don't think Nick is of the same stature or level of excitement that people have for Moxley, but still, I think, a big name. They got Pac to come in mm. and face off with Kenny Omega. Um what do you feel about Pac as a replacement, first and foremost? Like, do you think that AEW did the best they could with the situation? Yeah, it's a shame they had to wait as long as they did due to his uh, 
commitments to Dragon Gate. I think he would have been a big one to come out of the gate swinging. Um, pardon, a, the, pardon the pun. Right. In a sort Actually, of Sean Spears of, kind of, that, of way, right? I, I, yeah. I, I see him playing that kind of role with Cody. Um, but I don't know where he fits now. I think they'll find a place for him. Um, but at the same time, I just I don't know if it's going to be as effective as it would have been, you know, starting at double or nothing earlier this year. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I'm wondering if people are kind of soured on Pac because he, a lot of people were pissed off that he dropped out of double or nothing because of his commitments to Dragon Gate. And I'm wondering if people just are disappointed now in him being the replacement for Moxley because of that. So that's that might undercut it. I'm just going to say this. This should be an absolute monster of a match. Between these two, I think people have forgotten just how awesome Pac is when he's on the line. Um, I guess the qu- the question here is: Is this the risk that AEW is running when they allow their talent to work outside of their company? Apparently, Moxley wants to continue to work in Japan for the rest of the year while still working with AEW, and a lot of the people in AEW are going to have dual contracts. The Lucha Brothers will still work AAA, etc. Is this the risk they're running? Should they continue to run this risk? Or, I mean, is this 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 is what we were talking about earlier this year with uh, Vince calling the WWE uh, wrestlers, superstars, uh, independent contractors, but yet locking them down and preventing them from working anywhere else. Hmm. This is why. This is exactly why. He's protecting his business interests. So this is the counter-argument to should he call them that. It's It's... Obviously, there's a big argument for the lack of leverage that the superstars have against Vince um, for for being independent contractors. But is that is is this a great example of why Vince locks people into exclusive contracts? Uh, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a really good point, actually. Um, yeah, wow, I kind of just blew my mind for a second. That's what um, I'm here for, sir. Yeah, it's so. Are you saying if AEW had done the same thing, should they have done the same thing? I have a feeling that AEW is probably going to. If they haven't already, they will probably have tighter contracts after this, or they should at least, because this is this is a risk that you run. People are going to get injured working for your company as well. Um, but obviously, you know, if it's something where they get injured while working for you. It, you might consider it preferable to them going off and making someone else money and that other person breaking your product, breaking your toy. Yeah. Uh, this this particular situation, it doesn't sound like it was something – it wasn't like Moxley was doing a crazy stunt in Japan and broke his leg or something. This just sounds like you know a freak accident, horrible thing that popped up. Would it have happened had he not worked the G1? We'll never know. Didn't he have but a bout with this in WWE as well? That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Well, it wasn't this. He he had surgery on his elbow, um, and then that became infected. So you could, could you technically surgery. put this under pre-existing conditions? And you know, there's something in the clause about. I don't know. You know, this goes back to the whole John Oliver segment. Goes back to the whole independent contractors thing. Uh, a lot of that stuff is is at play here, and I don't know that there's a really yeah. clear answer. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's kind of what I'm wondering is if are we going to see AEW create more exclusive contracts after seeing this and seeing potentially a big hit to their draw. I don't uh, here let's be clear. I don't think this is going to hurt their all out draw. People aren't suddenly going to not watch the show because Moxley's not there, but it I, I suspect it might spook them a little bit. Uh I just feel bad for Moxley. This has got to be crushing for him. Yeah. 
So, Absolutely. You know, you're on a, you're on a roll, and then this takes that, takes you out at the knees. It sucks. That being said, that pay per view is still happening this weekend, and we will be talking about it later in the show. But first, Nick, we need to head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, before we get it too far into raw butters with the $9 in the tip jar, thank you very much, Hey-o. sir. Thank, thank you, sir. sir. Thank you for putting up with our gremlins and for your support awesome. of the show. Much love, Mr. DJ Butters. Uh, Shots this week, on me later, sir. <laughs> there you go. Don't spend all our money, Ian. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> Monday Night Raw, uh, we had saw Braun and Seth uh, team up, or at least set up the universal title match uh, as they faced off or we saw Braun versus AJ Styles for the U.S. title. Um, how do we feel about the fact that the tag titles are being used to just keep these two close together, almost as a prop? In, in a I sense. mean, it's it's what we've talked about the, like last week when it first happened was yeah. this is just going to be a prop for this feud. It's a way to have them together, have a new dynamic with it. Um, and in that sense, all right, fine. If it's if you need a, a novel storyline trick. You can't think of another way to have these two guys interacting without having the tag belts on them. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of a cute thing where now they've set it up so that at Clash of Champions, because all championship titles must be defended at this pay-per-view, now Seth and Braun first have to defend their tag titles, uh, and then they've got to go and have, you know, Braun challenged uh, Seth for the title, for the universal title this week. Seth said, I'm a fighting champ, sure. So now we're going to have Braun versus Seth after having them go defend their tag belts. So, or there might be some sort of swerve where it goes the opposite direction. But either way, that you know, it is just essentially a story device towards telling the story of Braun facing Seth, the Universal Championship. Um, the only thing that we can hope is that there is some other ulterior motive here that's going to make it more exciting because frankly to me, I'm really not engaged in this at all. And I don't think that they've, portrayed Braun in a way that interests me beyond the fact that he's a big guy who wants Seth's title. I don't feel the threat like, you know, Seth kind of said, oh yeah, I'm a fighting champ, no problem. You've got your shot. And there was not really any sense of crap, this guy is, this is Braun Strowman. Right. He's uh, I like the guy, but I don't want to have to face him because he's gnarly. Uh, even you know a guy like Seth Rollins who's shown that he will go out and you know slay the beast or whatever, I would I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that trepidation. I'm nitpicking. The end of the day, like this is what it is. It's there's nothing categorically wrong with anything with anything they're doing with this storyline. It's just I don't. I feel like they're throwing a lot at the wall for diminishing returns. Yeah, I was very upset. Listen, I'm not going to blow my wad on this because we got something later to talk about after this that I am just going to go absolutely ape shit on. Um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I agree with you. They did not need to strap these two with the Raw tag titles uh, in order to build a feud. I think I said this last week as well, to build a feud for the Universal title. Why AJ and the U.S. title is somehow intermixed in all of this as well? Like, are there not other people that can go feud for the U.S. title and let right. them have a natural, organic build for the Universal title? They have to confuse us not only with the U.S. title but with the, but the Raw tag titles as well. Just what a lot of capital to throw at one thing that feels like it's kind of half-ass thrown together. Is kind of how yeah. I feel about it. With a roster this big, it's it's strange that the top of the card is so tiny. And as you said, you know, Braun had a 
U.S. title match to close out Raw this week, which, no surprise there, the OC came out, got in, got involved. Uh, Braun got himself DQ'd. AJ kind of Eddie Guerrero'd him where he got the ref to... he. Uh, AJ hit him with the chair, but then he played possum when Braun grabbed the chair and the ref saw Braun. He said, hey, man, I saw you. I heard you hit someone with the chair. You're DQ'd. And then Braun just went off on everybody. Fun way to end the show, but at the end of the day, AJ retains his U.S. title. He's got to defend that as well at Clash of Champions. So I'm curious because they're not building anyone else for him to face. Does that mean that Braun is then going to challenge AJ as well? What what story are they trying to build here, or are they wasting time that they should be using to build a U.S. title feud? Right. So that's kind of I'm, – I'm agreeing with you. I think there's a lot going on with very few people, and with the number of people they have, they could be utilizing them better. Sure. So, I mean, or have Braun win the U.S. title and just really go all in on this. <laughs> no, just have like all the exactly belts commit right. Don't be wishy washy about no, it. I, don't, I wouldn't have wanted commit. that at all. I wouldn't have wanted that. Much. Or I don't know. Let the Good Brothers have the titles for more than two weeks. <laughs> let them have a legitimate tag title reign. So I, I let, well, let's before we. Let's, I, I don't want to beat that one to death because I've got a lot to say about the next thing, and I want to save it for that. Let's well, let's do it right now. Why not? Let's talk about tag team turmoil because this is how we determine. Oh. Who the tag team was that's going to face Seth and Braun at Clash of Champions. And pretty much every major tag team in the WWE was involved, minus the Usos. Wonder where they are. Huh. Uh, so this was a this was basically, I don't know why they called it tag team turmoil either, because it was basically just an elimination match. It was a gauntlet match. Right. Right. Um, so you had it started off with the Viking Raiders and the B team. Unsurprisingly, the B team got murdered by the Viking Raiders, and then out came your boys, the OC, and they and the Viking Raiders wouldn't stop brawling, so the ref DQ'd them both and had them both kicked out. They both cut promos on each other after this match. Looks like we're going to be getting an OC and Viking Raiders feud going forward, but the titles won't be involved because they didn't get the opportunity here. So I'm curious about what they have planned for those two teams. At least the Viking Raiders are doing something other than squashing jobbers. They have some sort of plans for them, so there's that. At least they're involved then, in something called tag team turmoil, right? Right. At least they're involved in some sort of tag team stuff because right. the next team out, I think, is where uh, the Nick Your Pain begins because in people that they aren't going to be using at the top of the card end up in tag teams together, and uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler this week formed a tag team um, what do we call them? Are we going to call them Dolphbert Dude? Root Rude Zigulus? Rolf Riggler? Root Rude Ziglorious? Root something? I don't know. Rudolph? Rudolph? <laughs> I stole it from Zach. I, I stole it from Zach Ryder. I can't take credit for that one. But anyway, so they formed a tag team. Long story short, they ran through everybody else. They beat the Revival, the Revival, and then they beat. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. One, two, three. And then uh, Heavy Machinery. So, yeah. That's, that's let's see. Lucha House Party, Revival, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and Heavy Machinery. They went through four teams. Some of them which would have been established to be legit teams. Revival, Heavy Machinery. So, once again, the WWE has illustrated to us that if you are two singles wrestlers, you are going to be head and shoulders above the entire rest of the tag division. 
Um, Nick, I know you have a lot to say about this, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna back off. And I'm gonna give you a soapbox, and you may go. We went through every single legitimate tag team, basically that's not already in a feud or has a title in WWE, to get to Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Like it, it would have been fine if Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler had come out, been involved somehow. Maybe they cut, a, they do their thing, but they don't win. Okay, I can get past that. If <laughs> had they done that, fine. But Viking Raiders, uh, the club, at least they got the Viking Raiders and and the OC out of the way of the of the steamrolling train of uh, Dolph Rude. But I mean, heavy machinery was in there. Yeah, uh, you have legit tag teams that they just blew right through. And yeah, that they, makes... sacri- they sacrificed a couple of legit teams to these guys. So now we have Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins, a made-up tag team, and we have Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Everybody else has just been swept aside. Yep. This, this is what I have been bitching about since we've started this show when it comes to the Raw Tag Division. This is kind of the crux of the whole problem, and we know you listen, guys, WWE. This is the thing you have to stop. You have to start legitimizing your legit tag teams. I, may, I, may I jump in really quickly, Nick, and just yeah, say... I'll catch my breath. You go, we, you go. Yeah, yeah. Because this has been happening for decades. This isn't a new thing. It's been a long time since the, since the WWE had enough legit tag teams to have a tag team division. And even then, when you had the Rockers, when you had... Uh, you know, Bret Hart and, and Jim the Anvil Needhart as a tag team. You know, two guys who at the time could have been singles wrestlers, but, and they eventually were, but they were better as a tag team at the time. Same with the Rockers, Shawn, crying out loud, Shawn Michaels. But at the time, he started off as an, in a tag team, and they were a tag team. Uh, even in those days, the second that you'd had two singles wrestlers join up in a tag team, they'd wipe the floor with them. Yeah. This has been a trope for decades. And I, it's something that it, it boggles my mind because it, it, to me, it seems like from a kayfabe standpoint, and it's, it's been the case with almost every other promotion, just not WWE, that they, they put it out there that if you are a tag team, you have specifically been training for a, a form of this wrestling. It is a, is a different style of match entirely. And it is functionally as well, even outside of kayfabe, should be functionally a different style of match. You, the psychology is different. Um, the awareness of the ring, how you fight, how you actually, the offensive moves that you use uh, as far as your ring awareness has to change. So it's fundamentally a, a different thing altogether, a different kind of match. And these are people that have trained and studied how to win those kinds of matches and how to use their teamwork to win. So therefore, if you're a singles wrestler, you're not going to have the experience or the knowledge or the just innate uh, reflexes that, that you need to win these kinds of matches. That's the kayfabe explanation for why tag team wrestling would be different from two singles wrestlers getting together. So when you have two singles wrestlers joining up and wiping the floor with your tag division, it basically makes all of the guys who are in the tag division look like absolute jokes. Yeah. Because they can't yeah. even win in this other division, this other style of match they're supposedly experts at. 
So it's it's frustrating. It is still frustrating every single time this happens, and it is something that happens all the time. So it's something that we'd like to see changed. It's something that we may see changed with AEW. Uh, whether or not you're a fan of AEW, it is one thing that with the Young Bucks and their philosophy on tag team wrestling uh, is more towards that. If you if this is something that frustrates you in WWE, we know that the philosophy the Young Bucks have towards tag team wrestling is more of what I just explained uh, as far as how they think about the the style and the, and the, the type of matches. Um, the question is, is will that conflict, when you see these two going head-to-head, will that rub off in the WWE? And um, they've, got, they've got the teams. Uh, Butters asked in the chat just now, what about AOP? AOP, supposedly, the rumor is they're being repackaged and possibly renamed. So another tag team. We'll see what happens to them. Yeah. But uh, as of right now, yeah, that's, that's where we stand. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are the new hot double singles wrestlers tag team. I, here's the thing. Taking a step back from it, I think they make a great pair. I like the two of these guys together. They're, they're both just shit-eating heels right now. Um, they both have fantastic abs and can work a good match. And have, by the way, cardio for days. So I actually think that despite all of our peccadillos about two singles wrestlers running over the entire division, putting Ziggler and Rude together is actually kind of a good idea, by the way, just to run that back. How do you, Nick, I mean, if you take a step back from your hatred of having singles wrestlers together, would you not like this is more this is to me this is a better match than like say Robert Roode and Chad Gable is a better match than that oh, totally. or or I, Dolph I, I don't, and I don't Drew view McIntyre. it as any different honestly I look at the, this is just another Chad Gable and Robert Roode really yeah you don't wow I think this is far better I think they're going to play off each other much better than that but I guess we will wait and we will see yeah uh, that is something that will uh, obviously develop over the next few weeks. But uh, something else that started the show this week that we will, that has been developing, and we finally got a chance to see it land in our in our laps. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks opened the show this week with, I'll call it a substandard promo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I could be worse about it. It was it was not the best way to open Raw. No. Uh, and they have a history of opening Raw with promos, with long speeches. This was no different. Sasha Banks came out to explain her actions, to talk about what happened after WrestleMania. And all she heard while she was gone was Sasha Banks, Sasha Banks, Sasha Banks. All the internet rumors about her uh, crying on the floor and throwing a hissy fit. And she said, you know what, to all those? Yeah, I did those things. And you know what? So freaking what? I'm back now, and I'm all anyone can talk about again. And uh, she planned on attacking Natalia. The only reason she did that was to try and get at Becky Lynch. Okay. So fundamentally, the intention of this promo was fine. The verbiage of this promo was fine. It was written by Paul Heyman. Um, the delivery. Nick, what did you think about the delivery, Sasha's delivery of this promo? I thought it was good. Uh, I thought the she got the audience reaction that uh, what? that she wanted. What? Really? I, the audience was okay. Go ahead. I mean, they were booing. Mm. Uh, I mean, the I'll, was, I'll grant you that. They were a little bit lethargic the entire show. Sure, but they weren't it, in I Chicago. I get it, but I mean, at the same time, it's you know, uh, they were they, they were getting the intended reaction. There was a little bit of a we don't really care anymore kind of vibe to it. 
And and it goes back to my whole thing of like why Natalia and why not Bailey at SummerSlam that I've been harping on about because that would have gotten you the reaction and the heat that you wanted. It ain't gonna happen with Natalia. Flip flopping Natalia from heel to face and trying to throw in her dad as a as a as an aw poor thing is uh, yeah it's not gonna right. work. No, agree. No. So but, I, it, to be determined with Sasha, in my opinion, I I'm not making a judgment call yet. I I for one am very happy to see her back. I don't like the way that I'm pretty clear. I don't like the way they brought her back. I thought it was silly and you know misguided, but at the same time she's back. She looks like a legit contender. She's gonna give. Uh, those girls will run for her money, and I'm happy for it. So To be clear, she had a match with Natalia later in the night, and that, I thought, did a better job for her than her questionable mic skills, which we you know, continue to have a, as be a butt of the joke on this, sh- on this show. Uh, that match made her look vicious. She, she tapped out Natty yeah. using her injured arm to choke her out and then wouldn't release the hold, and she looked vicious. She looked mean. She looked like a boss. It, that was great. Unfortunately, and this, is, this has been the case with Sasha Banks since NXT, she's a fantastic wrestler. She's almost sometimes over-eager in how, how she sells moves and how she goes into moves. But at the same time, promos have never been her strong suit. You know, she's got, the, I mean, the intensity is not the issue. It just has to do with the delivery. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's just something that kind of shower thought thing that I was thinking about after this, because I do, I love Sasha Banks. I love her as a wrestler, as a character, and and I'm happy to see her back as you are. I'm happy to see her at the top of the card. I can't wait for her and Becky. I think it's going to be a great match. I'm wondering what they could do to help Sasha's promos. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I was thinking about was how in NXT, they have promo classes that are taught by people who know how to give promos, whether it's, Dusty Rhodes, whether it's Shawn Michaels, whatever. Back in the day, if you were cutting a promo, you cut something from the heart, and there were the people that knew how to speak, and it was innate. They knew how to speak. You know, The Rock, uh, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes himself, whoever it was. They were the, these were guys who could just go out there and talk a mile a minute, talk for hours. They were very verbose. They were very eloquent. They were fun. They had big personalities. That's not a prerequisite. Sasha Banks. Speaking of Sasha Banks, it was not a yeah. That was not a prerequisite for getting into wrestling. These days, it's not a prerequisite to be able to cut a serious promo. There are some people who naturally have the gift. Alexa Bliss can cut a promo. Yeah. Right. Sasha Banks can't. She doesn't have that. And I'm wondering if it's because they need to have a different mindset these days in the performance center for how you teach people to cut promos and maybe not look at it as cutting promos so much as acting because these days it's not going out there and talking about them hard times, baby. Yeah. The dusty Rhodes, son of a plumber, uh, average man, blue collar man from the, from the street daddy. It's not that anymore. It's much more about going out there and being genuine, being honest. And if you look at someone like, say, Jake the Snake Roberts, he's kind of the forefather of that. Yeah. Going out there and just taking whatever goofy script they give you and delivering it plainly but believably. And that's these days, I think they'd be better served by having an acting coach than someone who's just there to teach them how to cut a promo. Because a promo is one thing. You know, you're trying to get something across. You're trying to sell a match. But it's, it's not just about making people want to watch a match. It's about being believable and connecting with people. And I think in that sense, 
you know, uh, Paul Heyman was also helping script Ronda Rousey. And one thing that they never told her was you can be intense without rushing. You can slow it down and your words will have more impact. It doesn't matter how good your verbiage is. If you're rushing through it like this and trying to get through it and just trying to get your intensity out, ah, it's not going to hit as hard as if you slow down and make every word count. And that's something that is just, that's acting. That is acting training. A basic acting coach will teach you that. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I was thinking about when it came to Sasha, was her, her delivery didn't feel natural. Yeah. And all it would take was some acting classes. And she'd be, I think she'd be fine. Yeah. So throwing that out there. Uh, also, last, but, I mean, why, where was Becky this week? Why didn't she come out and, and save Natty? Uh, not sure. She's probably somewhere still being giddy from getting engaged to Seth Rollins. Oh, did you know they're dating? I, really? They are? What? <laughs> I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard. Oh, goodness. Uh, all right, Nick. Let's, let's move on from this. I'm, I'm waiting the for the impending feud of Charlotte Andrade versus Seth Becky. Uh, oh, it, it's stop. coming. You all know it's coming. No, Nick. Hashtag they listen. Don't put that in their ears. Oh, stop. God. No. Let's talk King of the Ring. Let's get off of that. King of the Ring's happening. Yes. And okay. I love it. I love it. A good old-fashioned tournament. Good matches and, this week. And, and they're busting brackets, and I like it. It's not predictable. Yeah, I'm done. I'm it's out. Fantastic. It's on you guys at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be KO's out. Drew McIntyre's out. I'm, I'm done. Whatever well, happens, once happens. Once we get to the end of SmackDown, we can talk about the whole quarterfinals and what we're going to be looking at coming up next. Hey, my picks are still in it, so I'm, I'm all right. Uh, we had an upset this week. Ricochet, as you said, Ricochet beat Drew McIntyre clean as a whistle. Gave him a recoil and then a, a 640 and 1-2-3. Bye-bye, Drew. Ricochet is going on to the next round of King of the Ring. Uh, what does this mean for Drew? I mean, where where does Drew end up here? Who has he got to feud with at this point? I, I, I don't, maybe Kevin Owens. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at this point, I mean, is it still Shane? <laughs> Are we still doing Shane stuff? I, apparently. Six months after Mania? Oh, God. Oh yeah, God! Are but, we still going to do Shane? Uh, listen, Shane is—it's. It, I'm almost numb to it at this point. I hate it so much. Like it's. It, I'm getting worked hardcore. I'm totally against all of the the Shane stuff after Miz. Like, there's no way he should have started another feud. There's plenty of people for Kevin Owens um, to to feud with. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where these guys go from here, to be honest with you. I think if that's the major question, I honestly have no idea anymore because you've eliminated Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre from what could have been their moment. And I'm kinda, just, I'm throwing my hands up in the air going, all right. I want everyone to realize something as this King of the Ring tournament goes on. If you win King of the Ring, they're going to force you to wear that stupid robe and crown and I want you to think about everyone who's left in it and who can pull off that look, because it's really, it's kind of a dumb look. Yeah, just ask. You know, you'll note that that you didn't really see Triple H wearing it a whole lot. You didn't see Stone Cold wearing it. No. You know they had that was that was a gimmick for Harley Race to to humble him when he first came in was making him King Harley. Yeah. Um, and we even had some superstars this week go up to the chair and sit down. Drew went and sat in the chair. Corbin sat in the chair. Uh, Elias sat in the chair and tried on some of the the regalia. And you look silly when you put that stuff on. So you have to think, if anyone, whoever wins this, will they be able to pull off this gimmick? 
You know, can you see Ricochet coming out in a stupid furry coat, uh, the furry, furry cape and a crown with a scepter, with a little plastic scepter? Because if he wins, that's what they're going to stick him with. It's going to be, how King, well the cape it's gonna be King Neville. Corbin at this point. So this is what I'm getting to. So we got Joe versus Ricochet next week. That'll be fun. Miz versus Corbin happen. Corbin wins clean. Kicks out of a skull-crushing finale, by the way. Ouch. Uh, and then gives an end of days. Corbin's moving on. Um, and sits in the chair and gives us a preview of that possible future where, as I've predicted, Baron Corbin is King Corbin. Um, I know that sitting in the chair is bad luck, and it's probably indicating that he's not going to win the whole thing. But what if he does, Nick? What if it's King Corbin? I think it's going to be King Corbin. I mean, doesn't really matter if he comes out looking goofy in a cape and crown, does it? I think he could pull and it's it just, off. He could be just that goofy goob. That just, just an asshole, and he's just lording it over you, yep. and you're like, oh, God, shut up. We yep. know you're the you want King of the oh, Ring. Oh, we know you're Jesus. the king. Oh, go away. God. It's perfect. Yeah, it's exactly I, what they want. I'm saying, uh, y'all, y'all sit at home listening to us. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. King Corbin. King Corbin might be coming. Uh, speaking of people with the C's in their name, Cedric Alexander and Cesaro had a match on Raw as well. Cesaro apparently still in lower mid-card land and losing to, Cesar- to a Cedric Alexander. Which, you know, hey, Cedric is looking good going into next week, but Cesaro worked over his leg pretty hard. Uh, is this going to be how Corbin wins the whole thing? Because he's got – Cedric has Corbin next week, and now he's got a bum leg thanks to Cesaro. Thanks, Cesaro. Just saying. Just saying. It ain't going to be so King Cesar- Cedric. That's for sure. It's not going to be Cedric. No. It's not going to be Cedric. Um, Ricochet has already been King Ricochet in the Indies. So – if it ends up being Ricochet and Corbin in the semis and then Corbin going on to the end, I'm just saying, watch out. Yeah. Watch out. It's coming. And then finally, uh, Bailey had a match with Nikki Cross because, you know, wild card rule. Why the hell not? Um, crowd didn't care. I didn't really care. This really served no purpose whatsoever. It just kind of existed. So that was Monday Night Raw. But uh, Nick, is, do you have, any, you have any closing statements on Raw this week? You said you didn't like Raw. This I, week. I really didn't like Raw this week. A lot of it had to do with um, uh, McIntyre uh, losing oh, no. again, and, and now I. So I was pretty busted after KO went out, and now I'm just done. Like it, every, nothing else works out from here for me. You guys enjoy the ride. Uh, I'm checking out. I so you didn't like I, Raw cause, just because you're bitter? No, I didn't like Raw because one. Bra- Seth and Braun have what need to do nothing to do with the Raw Tag Championships. Two, Tag Team Turmoil was a friggin' joke uh, with Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, McIntyre goes out, arguably the archetype of who you want to be, King of the Ring, goes out of the tournament altogether to Ricochet. Love Ricochet. I don't see Ricochet being King of the Ring. And then, um, whatever the hell happened, wh- why was Bailey on and, and Nikki Cross on... It was just felt so bad. Like just, it was an hmm. afterthought this week. It felt. I actually I enjoyed Raw a lot this week. Nah. I, I didn't think it was you know great. I'm I'm not. I don't feel invested in a lot of this. King of the Ring. I'm I'm interested in, but I'm not invested. I thought the Drew McIntyre Ricochet match was excellent. Definitely the match of the show. Um, I liked some of the and I liked all of the things that actually happened with Braun and Seth and the OC and all that. Like. I don't like the overall concept there. I think that they're going in the wrong direction, but I like how they're executing it. It's not bad. Sure. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't mind Raw. 
Unfortunately, I was not as big of a fan of SmackDown, Nick. But in order to talk about that, we are going to have to go talk about SmackDown Live. Oh, I I just eventually we're going to get to a point where the Roman Reigns recap video package takes up the entirety of the 90 minute Hulu cut of SmackDown Live. We're we're just going to get to that point in about three weeks because in this modern era of if if I have to watch this video package recap one more time, (laughs) I am absolutely going to lose my shit. (laughs) Oh, oh. Uh, thank God I have a skip forward button that shows me the frame so I can see exactly where it ends. Uh, no, this is the, I, I agree. In this modern era of WWE where everything is a recap package and every time we have people come out to the ring, they've got to sit there and wait while WWE shows a recap of everything that's happened in their feud up until now. This Roman thing where they feel like they have to show every detail and every twist of it is becoming painful. And the problem is, I don't think they even know where they're going. I, I genuinely don't. Every week, it just seems like something else comes out, and there's not real like. Ro- okay, so last week we ended SmackDown with Roman Reigns staring at a guy who looks a lot like Rowan, and Daniel Bryan and Rowan staring back at Roman Reigns, saying, "Hey, this is the guy that tried to kill you." And he was breathing like really intensely for some reason, because apparently he was imitating Rowan. I don't know. All I all I know is that they left it like that. And we never found out, did we press charges against this guy? Did Roman beat him up? Did we just let him go? What happened to the Rowan lookalike? Yeah, he's gone. Just gone. Just gone. Okay. Well, he's gone. All right. Fine. So this week, Daniel Bryan and Rowan say, see, we told you uh, it wasn't Rowan. It was this other guy who has now magically vanished off the face of the planet. So you owe us an apology, Roman. You need to come out to the ring and apologize. And, of course, Roman comes out to the ring dutifully and then asks the crowd, should I apologize to them? The crowd emphatically says, no, you shouldn't. He says, good, because I've got some footage y'all need to see. And suddenly we see a, another bit of footage from that we, we've had for, by the way, a month now, uh, a little bit of footage of all the boxes falling on Roman in that first attack. And there's Eric Rowan behind the boxes in a hoodie pushing them over and Roman saying, well, look, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Because we couldn't find this, you know, the the week of when we had all this footage anyway. Okay, fine. Daniel Bryan freaks out, starts slapping Rowan and saying, you lied to me. I can't believe that you did this. And then stalks out of the ring with a microphone to confront Roman Reigns and saying, I didn't tell him to do this. I don't know what this is about. Roman Reigns says nothing. He just gives Daniel Bryan a spear and walks away to end the show. So that's where we're at. Apparently, Rowan did it. But Daniel Bryan claims that he's innocent. Uh, what, Nick? Break this down for me. Are, are they just grasping at straws here? Oh yeah. Do they like what? What is their purpose behind this? I have no idea. And, and all I know is they're just they're killing time for something. And it, are, is this ultimately ending in Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan? Is Dan is is some are one of those two going to get the belt and then they? Take it onto Fox. I don't know. Is Kofi Kingston carrying that belt onto Fox now? Are you are you in that camp? They. Sh- I think Kofi should carry it onto Fox. I'm pretty sure that I think that he will, and I think that he should. That being said, having a feud between Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns coming into Fox is also a strong choice because Daniel Bryan is very well known. Roman's very well known. Roman's probably one of the more known people in pop culture uh, outside of wrestling, relatively speaking. Obviously, I don't think that he's totally mainstream or anything. I just think that 
of all of the modern pro wrestlers. He's one of the more recognizable ones. Although I, most, the guy I hear most people talk about who know nothing about wrestling is that big guy with the big beard, yeah. meaning yeah. Braun Strowman. Right. Which, which actually kind of, the by one the way, that goes tangent, raw, get these hands, that guy. But it's as, an, as a tangent underlining you know, the missed opportunity with Braun Strowman, he is so striking, and he, you know, he's one of those, those pro wrestlers that when you see him, you remember him um, from a mainstream standpoint in terms of what Vince could have had as far as Braun Strowman going out there and bringing new eyes or lapsed eyes to his product. I think he missed the boat. That being said, back to the show, um, let's, let's talk about what they're doing here because if ultimately this turns out and Daniel Bryan admits to everything and we have a Roman and Daniel Bryan feud, what will have been, like, how, does this, how will this have informed that future feud that will help it in any way? Like, what's the purpose I, I, of doing this for this feud? Like, okay, so this all started because somebody pushed some scaffolding or rigging over on Roman Reigns because reasons. Not because yes. there was any kind of uh, a feud happening or somebody was bitter about something. We've yet to discover why. why? We think it's because no. Daniel Bryan had something, maybe, and he told Rowan to do it. And Rowan's the scapegoat in this whole thing, and... I, I, why, if we had like one sliver of explanation, why? We've gone through Buddy Murphy, we've gone through a Rowan lookalike, now we've gotten rid of Rowan, and now we've speared Daniel Bryan while he was pleading that, um, I didn't, I, I had nothing to do with it, I didn't tell him. What's left? <laughs> like, you've been through all the tropes, and this is, I don't this know is what the, to do. what? third or fourth week in a row that Vince reportedly tore up the show the day of and wrote it as they were filming. Good this is what happens is when you're trying to create an ongoing, interesting storyline for people to invest in and you just wing it. You're it's just not going to work for people. And unfortunately this should be a home run, right? Daniel Bryan and Rowan secretly trying to kill or whoever secretly trying to kill Roman Reigns. And Roman trying to nail them, but they're too wily and keep, you know, running circles around him mentally. Uh, hey, on paper, that sounds great. Yeah. In execution? Bloop, 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 bloop. Not going completely, too hot. <laughs> no, completely bobbling this. Yeah. Uh, so, real quick before we move on, Rowan Shirtwatch? Rowan, Rowan Shirtwatch? Shirt he stumped me this week. I had Yana. never heard of this band. J-O-N-N-E. Yana, I think. Uh, Yana or Yana, listeners, please. Yana or something wrong. like that, yeah. Um. But yeah, I've never heard of them. I'm looking forward to going and checking them out. Yeah, awesome. they will get uh, added to the uh, Rowan Shirtwatch playlist. You guys can all check them yeah. out. I I am very rarely stumped, and Rowan got me, and he's he's proven he's got some good taste. So, looking forward to checking out this uh, this recommendation of his. Yes. All right. So, also on SmackDown, Kofi Kingston, who you mentioned, is currently the WWE champion. He's having a feud with Randy Orton. And they're basically mining the AJ Styles and Samoa Joe feud because of this week, as Kofi was giving a fiery promo in the ring, talking about how Randy Orton shouldn't go after his family, Randy shows up on the Titan Tron to read a note that was allegedly slipped through his hotel room door, which basically said, hey, Randy, stop going after Kofi. Uh, you're a mean guy, but he's my dad, and I don't want you to hurt him. Uh, <laughs> basically, Kofi's, Kofi's son pleading with Randy, and Randy saying, 
your son's a little bitch and I'm going to go kick his ass. And Kofi being like, how dare you? He runs back there, gets into it with Randy. Randy gives him a draping DDT off of a table back in gorilla position. So Kofi's out the rest of the night. And Big E has to pick up the pieces in a match against Randy later on. So, all right, Nick, let's break this down. Okay. How do you feel about Kofi and Randy's current state of their feud where they're they're bringing in Kofi's family they're escalating it Randy's an evil guy is this too derivative of AJ and Samoa Joe or is this it's a tried and true trope the bad guy goes after the good guy's family the good guy's defending his family's honor yeah. is, is that working for you or is it just a little bit too like have we just seen this on SmackDown it's definitely a the, the trope that you mentioned my biggest disappointment is that the revival is now the B team <laughs> think about it yeah they kind of are they kind of are what Miz yeah. also doing this kind of same stuff with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel always do get doing shit for him so it's not that Randy needs it it worked for Miz because Miz needed it but Randy doesn't need or it. or Seth uh, Seth when he was the champ sure. or gender when he was the champ sure uh, yeah have your two goons these tropes continue to just kind of regurgitate themselves and with the knowledge that Vince is tearing up the scripts hours before the show even goes on air, it makes sense. He's just digging from the piggy bank of ideas that he's already used and knows works. And it's it just like pasting them on top of, you know, it's, it's like pulling the superstar's pictures off and pasting them on top of these story templates. Uh, in some, All right, do this. And it's like his own version of storyboarding. Anyway, that'll be a fun thing to draw up one day. Anyway. I, I don't know. I, I'm not mad at this. I'm, I like the feud between Kofi and, and Randy. I didn't like how the match ended at SummerSlam with the stupid super fast double count out. But I want to yeah. see these guys have a legitimate match and, and actually beat the hell out of each other. Um, I, don't, I don't mind the tropey stuff that we all kind of... It's why we watch wrestling. It's the, the soap opera of it all. You know, the, Yes, there's the, there's the athleticism of all of it, but I'm in for the soap opera. So I, I like the soap opera-esque-ness of it sometimes. And I, I'm, I'm into this. I love it I with too. Samoa Joe and AJ. And I think a lot of people did. So no wonder they're going back to the well again with another guy who's also very good on the mic. I liked some of it. I, I, Joe, honestly... Uh, he made, Joe writing a children's he, book was next level. He made, he made chicken salad out of some shit. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like, like, like reading that children's book could have been the worst thing ever, but Joe is just, you know, talk about a guy who's just naturally amazing on the mic. Uh, I guess my problem here is I'm not engaged because I've seen this so recently. And for whatever reason, it's not, it's not connecting with me. And maybe I, that's just me and my personal peccadillos. And sure. I'll just have to live with that. I agree though. I overall like the idea of Randy versus Kofi. I think that's that they have a good chemistry. There's the history. There's a lot to work with here. When we first realized it was going to happen, I was like, "Cool, I'm I'm all about this." It's like, and you're, this is something that you're going to hear a lot this week. It's not engaging me right now, and it might just be because we're in the middle of getting to the next pay per view, and they haven't really ramped stuff up yet. I don't know. Something's not connecting with me this week on a lot of levels with WWE. So. One thing that did, that did connect with me, I love that Big E was a monster. Like he beat the crap out of Randy Orton, and I liked I like Killer E. I want more Killer E. His I like his speech coming out of the locker room, mm. uh, out, or out of the medical uh, or the trainer's room, right? Uh, just yeah. saying, I can absolutely guarantee that Kofi Kingston 
will be ready for his match at Clash of Champions. But I can't say the same for Randy Orton. And I was just like, yeah. oh, shit! People forget <laughs> that Big E was a serious character before he became, you know, the goofball of the New Day. Yep. And this was a reminder of that. I love, you know, he's beating up Randy Orton in this match, tossing him over the tables, like manhandling a huge man. Randy Orton is a huge man. Yeah. And Big E's just throwing him around like Randy Orton throws Singh Brothers. You know, it was <laughs> awesome. And I loved him beating up Randy and screaming, you got hell to pay, you got hell to pay, and then seconds later being like, I'm hell, pay me. That's what he was screaming. Awesome. Mm. More of that. Good stuff. More of that. Like that. Um, obviously, the revival coming in at the end to lay out Big E. So now it's down to Kofi. Kofi's going to be probably all alone for his match at Clash of Champions. Uh, hopefully, that main part, like, get off the... To me, it's kind of silly family stuff. Either make it, either make it intense. The, the stupid, like, hey, he gave me a letter. Yeah, come on, Randy, you're better than that. Um, I do like the RKO shatter machine, though. I will, I will say that, or super shat, super RKO, that as they referred to it, right? That yeah, looks that looks awesome. devastating AF. Yeah, that's great. I I love the revival and Randy Orton as a as a team. By the way, whether or not you want to say this, it's a constant trope of having you know the big bad guy and the two little goons. I, I love this pairing because Randy doesn't look like he needs the help and the revival is already kind of established themselves enough as a legit tag team. And they, as you said, they've got the moves that they all do together that it, they look like they're actually a unit as opposed to a coward hiding behind his goons yeah. to get things done. So, uh, King of the ring tournament again on SmackDown. This was, uh, oh, Ali versus buddy Murphy. <laughs> Uh, I watched oh. this match twice. I actually rewound it after I watched it on Hulu. I rewound it and watched this match again. More, please. More, yep. please, of these two. Delicious. Holy smokes. We had I just love. We had forgotten their amazing matches that they had for the Cruiserweight Championship on 205 Live. Or hopefully you hadn't. But I had. I, it had slipped my mind, frankly. It's been a while since yeah. we've been there. And yeah. this was a nice reminder of, oh, my God, those guys can go. Yeah, and I, I I was sitting there mentally screaming at my TV, oh, you all forgot who these guys are. You all didn't watch 205 Live. You don't know. Like The audience was getting into this and saying, you know, this is awesome and everything. I'm like, where were you guys when these two were doing this in 205 Live? Like, this was not, this was an average match for these two back in the day, but this was a great match on, on SmackDown because there wasn't anything else like it. And the audience, which was, by the way, this was what, Baton Rouge. It was, it was uh, New Orleans on Monday, Baton Rouge on Tuesday, I believe. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, sparse audience as well, by the way. Lots of open seats on those big shots of the crowd. Whoops. Uh, this audience got into this match. Big time. Buddy was getting chants. They were, get, they were chanting for Buddy in this. And at the end, Ali did pick up the win with an absolutely insane move, like even for them, which was a... It was a tilt-a-whirl DDT, sorry, tilt-a-whirl draping DDT because Buddy was up in the ropes. Nuts. And then followed up by a, a, a splash, a 450 splash from Ali for the one, two, three. Afterwards, Nick, you got your sportsmanship. They shook hands. Buddy looking like a face. And they did um, it before the match, too. Uh, two guys that used to be just at each other, right? Well, Buddy's been a heel since he, since he was called up. This is the yeah. first time we've seen him actually act like a decent human being. And it makes me wonder if after 
grabbing that proverbial ring in the last couple of weeks, they're looking at him now in a different way. I'm very curious how the backstage is looking at him now, or if he's going to vanish into obscurity again after all of this is done, uh, or if they have other plans for him now. If they look at him and go, we could do something with him. Because they could do something with him. Yes, they could. They just, they just need to want to. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that's going. We also had a match, uh, Chad Gable versus Shelton Benjamin. Um, and Bud Bundy pulled this one off, not surprisingly. <laughs> what do you think that so – we talked about what they were feeling about Buddy Murphy. What do you think they feel about Gable backstage? Because they continue to have him get bullied about his height and then not really have a response other than to kind of look hangdog. And – just kind of sad about it. Um, and, he, and he won this match with a roll-up. It wasn't like he definitively beats Shelton Benjamin. He kind of like snuck it out. But uh, what do you think their mentality is on Chad Gable? He's one of the most underrated guys that they have. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I agree with that. I, I do think he is one of the most underrated talents that they have. I didn't think I would enjoy this match or this pairing, um, but... It's fun. The backstage stuff is kind of fun. Um, the interactions with them, while I don't like the bullying aspect of it, Shelton Benjamin is actually making it somewhat enjoyable. Um, but at the same time, it's is this all we've got? Was this all just for King of the Ring? If if so, sure, that's fine. But it feels like they're trying to make more of it, more out of it than needs to be made out of it. So if they're just going to have a match for King of the Ring, it's a tournament. Let them have a match. But if they're trying to make something else out of it, does this eventually lead, eventually lead to them uh, being back in a tag team again? I don't know. I don't know. So I, I mean, here's the thing. I, would, I did enjoy Shelton Benjamin being in a tag team with Chad Gable, but it was an American Alpha ripoff, essentially. And Shelton showed yeah. that he's still got some crazy moves in this match, and he's another underutilized guy. Um, I just don't know what their thought is with Chad Gable. Like, I, I don't get it. I'm not, I, I'm still, the jury's out. I hope that, uh, Shorty G is not a thing as many people are speculating. We don't have a rapping Chad Gable. That would be the worst thing ever. Uh, quarterfinals. <laughs> uh, here we are. We got the quarters all lined up for the King of the Ring. Next week, we're going to get, uh, Ali versus Elias Gable versus Andrade Cien Almas Corbin, Be uh, Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander and Samoa Joe. Versus Ricochet. All right, so now that your first round brackets have been utterly destroyed, Nick, and you're faced with this, what do you see happening with this? Uh, okay, so to finish things off, uh, I, I think I've got Corbin winning the whole thing, but I think we're going to have <laughs> Ali. Jesus. We're going to have Ali and Andrade, and we're going to have Corbin and Ricochet. And you think it ends with with Corbin uh, destroying Ali? Yeah, somehow Corbin mm. gets past Ricochet, maybe with landing a, a sneaky end of days on him or something like that. Uh, or just screw screw everyone, beats him clean. It's <laughs> just to get that heat. Yep. So Just yeah, to get that heat. Out of all these guys, it's Samoa Joe or Baron Corbin. And I... Yeah, sorry guys, I think it's going to be Corbin. See, I it's what's crazy is... it's I, Okay, in my opinion, it's very unlikely to be Ali... But they could do it with Ali. It's if Elias goes through, it's only so Shane can be best in the world and King of the Ring. Yeah. Um, if Elias beats Ali, by the way, Shane's gonna win the whole thing. Uh, Andrade, I think, is definitely beating Gable. I don't think they're gonna make King Gable 
it's just with the, with how they're treating him right now, it doesn't sound like a thing that they're going to do. No. I could be if it's if it ends they're up being Gable. They're going to bully a guy about his height and then give him King of the Ring. I'll be so shocked. Yeah, yeah. This is not that's not how WWE works. Sadly, um, Corbin and Cedric. That's pretty much a lock for Corbin right there. Um, if Cedric wins, then Joe's beating Ricochet, and I think with how Ricochet's been going right now, he's beating Joe. So yeah, right now I, Corbin, I agree, is still one of my tops. I could also see Ricochet Andrade in the finals, but then I think Andrade might have the edge there. Uh, you know, the the idea of Rey Andrade is a it's a tasty one too, and I think Andrade could pull off the the stupid outfit. I, think I really Cor- do. Because, again, Cor- it's Corbin about who can pull Ali. off the outfit. Corbin Ali is my final, and then uh, Corbin wins. The only thing is Corbin sat in that chair, man. Oh, uh, yeah. And That's true. That, that could be – at this point, I don't know if it's a swerve or you know, if, they, if they swerve us and he actually wins the whole thing and then it just blows all of it up about that or if it's a double swerve. I don't, even, I don't want to – it hurts my head to think about. But, yeah, I, I, I could see it being Corbin. I hope – I personally, I hope it's Andrade. That's my that's my that's my wish. It's meant Ray Andrade. Yeah. Uh, we also had Bailey versus Lacey Evans. This is going to be an interesting one, Nick. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this match because uh, very divided online between whether this was awful or actually quite good. Um, we had a bit of, of work backstage. Ember and Bailey squashing their beef from earlier this summer. Ember saying, "I'm coming for you eventually. I'm coming for that title." But right now, we're cool. Turning around into Bailey and Lacey getting into it. What did you think about this match? Uh, first, let me address the backstage stuff because I thought I thought this was actually really good. Ember still needs a, I mean, just a little bit of work. She's almost there, but I loved acting her classes. Yeah. acting classes. I loved acting. her giving props to Bailey by saying it's because of ladies like you that I'm because you know I'm able to be the woman that I am uh, in WWE today. Thank you. That was awesome. Great stuff. I loved you know yay sportsmanship, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Recognizing your your peers or your uh, superiors, whatever you want to call it, your uh, ancestors, whatever, even though she's like 28. Um, but the whole Lacey Evans thing coming in caught me, and I think everybody, completely off guard. Why is she on SmackDown Live all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, come on, Nick. Hashtag wild card. You know, the, the wild card rule, don't you right. know? So now we have we have a six-hour. That wacky we have, we basically wild have, card rule. We have a six-hour show every week now. That's, that's really what this is. We don't have it's Raw and SmackDown. We have a six-hour show. Uh, as far as the match, it felt a little slow and drug on a bit too long. Could have it could have been a big moment for Bailey just to stamp her out. Uh, but the whole Charlotte coming out thing w- was interesting. I-, I think that was the whole purpose of it. Like, how can we get Charlotte out to the ring to stare Becky uh, Bailey down? Excuse me. I, right. I instinctively said Becky there because that's what I've been trained to do. Uh, getting Charlotte out was the end game. Having Charlotte and Bailey just do a I see you moment, uh, sure. Clash of Champions, Charlotte Bailey. Charlotte gets her tenth. Calling it now. You heard it here first. Mm. <laughs> Quite, but given given how not over Bailey is right now, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me at no. all. Um, also, another thing that doesn't surprise four. me is this match was that long because remember Vince tore up the show at the top, and he loves him some Lacey. So he's like, give her, give her fifteen minutes. She and Bailey can work it. I here's the thing, I thought this match dragged uh, for the first third. It wasn't engaging. Like you know, the first third is supposed to be a little slower, and you're supposed to build, but it just sure. it was too slow. It was too clunky. The last third was actually quite good. 
And I thought there was a lot of good work, a lot of good moves. Bailey looked particularly good. Um, aside from, you know, calling an arm drag at the top of the match really loudly. Uh, but overall, yeah, I actually, I, this match ultimately I enjoyed, but it definitely started a little bit, a little bit slow. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you've got to give these women these longer matches. Otherwise, when you finally do, they're not going to know what to do. So, you know, give them some of these longer matches. Let them learn. Let them go out there and figure stuff out. So, wasn't mad at that at all. Um, I don't understand why Bailey's facing Lacey. Lacey's there. She's a blonde. Vince loves her. And she's facing Charlotte. And Lacey's kind of like, Southern Charlotte. So, why not? Yeah. But. That's the only thing I could figure. She faced Nikki Cross for some reason, too. So, uh, That being said, a match that I am looking forward to, if it happens, Miz and Sami Zayn was supposed to happen this week. Uh, Miz called out Sami for getting on, uh, for jumping him with Shinsuke Nakamura last week on Miz TV. Sami came out to protest. And uh, Miz said, well, if you're not going to come in here and fight me, I'm going to get out there and fight you. At which point he was jumped by Shinsuke Nakamura and executed a couple of times. How are you liking this uh, this dynamic between Sami Zayn and Nakamura and the Miz challenged Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC belt? Do you think this is happening now? Yes. Miz and the IC belt, you think it's happening now? Yes, please. Because I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's not. Well, uh, is he getting dreams. it back? Is that what you're asking me? No, I don't think right away. But I think that this is going to be the feud where he gets his, his record-breaking reign. Not I, not this next match, but I think it will continue. You think at some point? At some point. So because yeah. here's the here's the outside information. So uh, at SummerSlam three weeks ago, uh, Miz was on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and he revealed that Maurice is eight and a half months pregnant. Mm. That was three weeks ago. This woman is ready to pop any second out. We could actually get notified during this show that Maurice went into labor. That's how ready she is to give birth to this daughter. I don't the second that happens, Miz is gone. Yep. So, might he be able to sneak away for Clash of Champions? Yes. But this is also something I think where they're playing a little bit close to the vest because at any second Miz could be taken from them. Yeah. Um and then once that baby comes, who knows how involved he's going to be in this feud. Could it now? Could this run all the way to say Survivor Series, and he gets it then? Maybe, maybe. But it really is going to come down to what his schedule is once his second daughter's born, and that's really more the issue here. I, if you know, if I were them, I would hold off on it for a little bit, uh, giving it back to him. But yeah, it's going to be a big deal when Miz does get that belt back because he's not lying when he said he made the IC belt relevant and important. And it is going to be a big deal when he gets it back because, as you say, of all of the potential records he could break once he gets it again. Hmm. I I hear you on the, the Ms. Maurice baby situation. I'm still not convinced that he's going to be gone that long. He might be gone a month. But if you remember, they had a kid and he was still there for like WrestleMania weekend. Was it last year? So... I I understand it's WrestleMania. It's Clash of Champions, not WrestleMania. But at the same time, it's Miz. Miz is a hard worker. He loves the business. He's going to be involved. So I, I don't think he's going to have too big of an absence. And yeah, I could absolutely see this leading to, you know, hopefully bringing the Intercontinental Championship back into relevance because it's been dead for a good eight months now, if not longer. Well, it hasn't, it hasn't been on TV. 
Let me put it this way. <laughs> it's pretty much been dead since Miz lost it as a heel. Before, Kinda, yeah. before the uh, draft or branch swap over, uh, whatever they call it, trade off, whatever. The, the Anyway, I want Miz to have that uh, title back because he's the last one that held it that made it legitimately relevant. Finn Balor really didn't even do anything with it either. So I want Miz to have that title again because he will do it justice. Agreed. That being said, Clash of Champions is happening up the street in your backyard at Charlotte, North Carolina at Spectrum Center. So that's a long way from L.A. I mean, granted, what, five-hour plane flight? But still, yeah. yeah. We'll see. That's going to really depend on, on how Maurice is doing around and, you know, in two weeks when this is happening. Uh, what, before we move on, what do you think about Sami Zayn as Shinsuke's manager like going forward? I, I got the vibe this week that he could potentially be like the next great old-school manager, like a Jimmy, Jimmy Hart or a Bobby the Brain. Like I, I, that's the level I'm on. Like That's how high... I am on his his managerial work this week. I, I love it, and it's, it's Shinsuke's a perfect uh, character for him to be a mouthpiece for. Absolutely, yeah. you know. Go, yeah, I mean, it's, go recruit it, Oscar while you're feel, at it. <laughs> what's that? Go recruit Oscar while you're at it. You oh know? God! <laughs> uh, or Io Shirai at this point, put together an evil stable. Um, but no, that's the thing. Is this? It reminds me of the days with those kinds of managers when they would come out and be the mouthpiece. Uh, but the pur- their purpose was that in kayfabe, they had bought the contracts of these wrestlers and they were working to further their career by helping them win. And they were making, th- making themselves money because they were taking a cut of the wrestlers' winnings. So it was, it was helpful for the manager to have the wrestler win because of if the wrestler won, the manager made more money and was more successful. And it was help- helpful for the wrestler because the manager brought brain power and savvy to his career and helped his career path. The way that they're doing Tully Blanchard right now with Sean Spears and AEW. Yeah. If they play that up with, with Sami Zayn and Nakamura, that could be fantastic given some of the promo work that Sami's already been doing for Nakamura this week. So I'm very high on this pairing so far. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I like what we're getting out of it so far. I'll, I'll put that little qualifier in there as well. So far. So um, far. Let's see where it goes from here. Yeah, I don't think that they're. I don't think that just the way that Sammy is as a character, especially as a heel, and how WWE seems to view him, uh, winning and losing. I don't think he's ever going to win a title or really have a major impact on that roster, unless he's in a position like this where he's allowed to let his mic work do most of the heavy lifting for him. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, one last thing on SmackDown, we did have Elias come out to the ring. Uh, it started off with Kevin Owens confronting Elias in Shane's office. Shane was not there this week, which Elias made clear, and Kevin Owens kind of went, huh, good to know. Later on, Elias came out to gloat by sitting in the King of the Ring chair. Kevin Owens beat him up, chased him down to the ring, gave him a stunner, at which point Elias very nicely undid his belt so that R-Truth could run in, try to pin him. And it uh, didn't happen because Drake Maverick pulled R-Truth out of the ring, got the pin on Elias. Drake Maverick is your new 24-7 champion. After, by the way, a whole week, of crazy stuff in other media, them going back and forth with each other. Why Why didn't Kevin Owens pin him when he had him laying there in the ring? That was my because one it, question out of this. Actually, Kevin Owens answered this on Twitter. Uh, Kevin Owens said, I have a family. I've got things to do. I don't have time to be defending a title 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't want to be sitting there with my wife at a nice dinner wondering if someone's going to pin me. It's not my jam. I, I have bigger fish to fry. Basically, was his was his kayfabe explanation, and you know what? I'll buy that. 
Okay. I'll buy that. Not there's a reason not everyone's going after that twenty four seven championship. It's always the the, the lower mid card guys. They want to have a title. They want to have a little bit of extra exposure. They want some more money. Kevin Owens is like, I'm an upper carder. I don't need this. Yeah, I've got other stuff to do. So I'll buy that. But uh, yeah, so twenty four seven championship rolls on. It's getting it's getting defended. It was actually our uh, truth lost it on a, a Fox Sports segment this week. Even they showed that happening, and can then I, uh, Elias just, won it back. Can I just say in general, I love all of the things that Fox is doing in preparation uh, to get, get the audience ready. So they're having oh, yeah. them on the NFL stuff, uh, the, all of that. They had uh, Bob, what's his name, pin R-Truth for the title mm-hmm. when he got yeah. kind of knocked out and fell over. Uh, and then Elias snuck in and took it back off of him. Uh, Let's be clear. They had him go to the football camp wrestling. and run around with the while the quarterbacks were throwing footballs. It, it, all of this stuff. I mean, Fox is posting pictures of WWE on Fox this fall with Aaron Andrews standing there. And I'm just going, wow, I did not yeah. expect this. But they're knocking but it is, out of the park. It's, it makes complete sense. You've got you know such a huge sports division on Fox. Uh, WWE has already shown ESPN on, on ESPN how much ratings they can bring. Um, and honestly, a lot of sports guys love WWE because – it's athletic, but it's also fun. Yeah. And you have a lot of these guys who are big characters. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in, in football, baseball, basketball who all admire wrestlers of the past, are entertained by rest, current wrestlers. You'll see them in the audience. They'll, hey, here's the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're in attendance here at, at Raw. You know, Yay. All, it happens all the time. Yeah. I think that's an easy crossover. It's an easy way to also show a mainstream audience, hey, Wrestling's fun. Let's have some fun with this, you know. So I think I think it's very smart, very savvy on yeah. their part. Yeah, about a month so. out, five weeks from uh, from going live. Yeah, heading into football season with a captive audience. Yeah, bring it on. Yep, Nick. That's a lot of WWE we just covered, but we still have plenty more to go. Lots more to talk about. But to do that, Nick, let's go and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Oh, boy, it is time for All Out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, oh it's here. Goodness. It's already here. Uh, it's BWO happening. to AEW. Yeah. AW, you heard it. Oh, wait, we're already here. Yeah. We're already here. We've been here uh, the whole time. We done been here, yeah. son. So let's uh, let's run this down, uh, Nick. I've got the card in front of me. Let's give some quick pickums for what we think is going to happen All right. this Saturday at All Out. You've got the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Unfortunately, I just... Realize we'll come back to that because I just realized I don't I don't have a list of the women that are in this in front of me. Um, let's awesome talk call. about that's, that's the tag match first. Tag match first. <laughs> okay. Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. What do you think is happening? This is also this is on the pre-show. This is on the uh, the buy-in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Angelico and 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 Evans uh, from their Lucha Underground stuff, and the the match that they were in in the last pay-per-view was fantastic as well. I enjoyed them. Uh, private party though is getting a lot of shine, and I'm wondering if they need Angelico and Evans to eat the pin here. They'll be fine. So I'm thinking private party wins here, just to kind of introduce them to everybody. Let the let them show the world what private party can do. You know, it's it's street profits. It's it's the similar kind of gimmick and style, and it's going to be a little bit of high flying and a little bit of craziness for both of these teams. Make no mistake. Don't sleep on this match because these four guys are going to be 
spend less time in the ring than they will above it. <laughs> so well said, well said. But who do you think's winning? Is my question. I'm going to say Private Party. Really excellent, because I'm going to say Angelico and Evans. They lost at the last one. I think they're going to recoup their loss. Uh, Women's Casino Battle Royale. I have the list now. Okay. It is going to be Brandy Rhodes, Ali, Yuka Sakazaki, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Jazz. All right. Uh, Eva Lise. Hey. Hello. Uh, Teal Piper, Big Swole, Sadie Gibbs, Awesome Kong, Shazza McKenzie was just announced, and there's nine more participants still to be announced that will be involved in this 21 women total. The winner does get a shot at the uh, the women's world title when that is finally announced. Who's you know who's getting that? So uh, who, of that list, who do you think is taking it? Or is it going to be one like? I'll put it this way. I'll make it easy for you. Is it someone they have announced or someone they have not yet announced? Uh, my every everything in my gut says go with Awesome Kong because of the ties with Brandy mm-hmm. Rhodes and all of that stuff and helping her out and all. Uh, first, a quick shout out, Eva Lise. Uh, f- congratulations on finally getting out from under Lucha Underground in El Rey. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, love, big fan of your work uh, across the Indies. You've been kind of everywhere. You've done everything. So very happy to see you have landed. Also, Shazza McKenzie, mostly, you know, not a very, uh, is more of an up and comer. Uh, but I've been following her on Twitter and watching her progress through things. Are you, were you just talking directly to Eva Lise? Yeah. Actually, hi, hi Eva Lise. How you doing? Uh, WWE might. listens. I don't yeah. know if Eva Lise listens. Well, she might. In, but, you never know. You know? Eva Lise, my DMs are open. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway uh, I actually I, tend I th- to agree I, with Awesome Kong, but I'm going to yeah. pick somebody else just because you said that. I, I think it might be someone that they have not announced yet. I think they're going to surprise us with somebody. Um, I don't know if Britt Baker's going to take it. She'd be my other big guess. Uh, I don't think they'd be smart to put it on Brandy Rhodes. Uh, no. Although it would create interesting storyline, so I'm going to say um, unannounced person will win. Okay. For our pickums, uh, final uh, pre-show match. Uh, it's what two boys and a dinosaur. I guess we can call this team Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt versus SCU. My goodness, who is taking this one, sir? Uh, I'm going to go SCU. Interesting. I'm actually going to say uh, Luchasaurus and the boys. I think they need to show that they can actually win a match. Yeah. Uh, but again, we have no idea. We have no basis on which to uh, say any of this yet because there hasn't been a ton of story yet. But those guys are super over on uh, on the road to shows and being the elite. So I kind of figure like they've got to get some shine somewhere. We'll yep. see. Main show, Riho versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, this has been building for a while. What do you think is happening in this match, sir? Uh, Riho. I just I'm, I'm nice. I have no basis for this. I have no backstory. I'm just picking one. <laughs> uh, I, I'm this just is being also, honest. I think guys. it's a coin flip too. There, I, there's I think no strategy flip. here in these picks. Nobody really knows anything other than what they've shown us very minimally on the YouTube channel. So I, yeah. yeah, let's just coin flip. Let's just pick your favorite ones and see what happens. So. Yeah, Rio. All right. All right. Well, I'm pick I'm picking Sheeta based on the storyline we have seen so far. Okay. Uh best speaking of sports storyline, best friends versus the Dark Order in a tag team match for a first round bye in the tag tournament that they're going to be having later on. Uh who do you think is taking this one uh, given everything that they've been building so far? Yeah, I think Dark Order is taking this one. I'm going to have to agree. I don't think the best friends are getting this bye. No. They're the underdog face team and Dark Order I think should get a bye just because I think the gim- the gimmick has its limitations, and they should be a team that just comes out and demolishes. Yeah. 
So I'm going to agree with you on the dark order there. Uh, in the someone might literally die match, Joey Janela versus Darby Allen versus Jimmy Havoc. They have not announced if this is a no-holds-barred match or a street fight match or anything like that yet, but I have a feeling, given these competitors, that at some point they're going to. Uh, who is taking this one? Triple threat, no DQ. Just saying. Hello, hello. Yeah, there you go. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, this might steal the show, this, this match right here. Um, it's going to be tough I, to say. There's a lot of really big matches on this show. I'm going to pick Jimmy Havoc till he wins something. I'm going to keep picking Jimmy because I, I love Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> I am a huge fan of his look, his persona, his presence, all of that. I think he needs to be pushed to the moon. I think he was one of those when they were first firing up AEW. He was one of their first kind of draft picks to go after, and everybody was like, what, really, Jimmy Havoc? I'm like, no, yes, Jimmy yeah. Havoc, yes. So I, I think I, he deserves uh, a huge push here, so I'm going to keep picking him until they they do. I hate it because I actually think that you're right and Jimmy Havoc probably should win this because they got to put some shine on him. But I'm going to pick Darby Allen just to be perverse. Um, <laughs> okay. And also also because I don't think Joey Janela should ever win a match. No issue with the guy. I just think it would be funny if Joey Janela was just always in these matches where he nearly killed himself and just never won. Right. That's just I mean, that would work really well with the Joey Janela character. Sure. Frankly. And so he'd always I, be bent about it and just upset and yeah, you know, smoking it's cigarettes. Always, and Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. Lucha Brothers are currently the AAA tag team title holders. It is for those titles, and it is a ladder match. match. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> my talking about sweet Jesus. Stealing the show? Yeah. Stealing the show, Nick? Yeah, forget what Here I said about are. the triple threat. This, this match all day. Um, so right now, Young Bucks are up 2-0 in AEW on the uh, Lucha Brothers. Is this the one where the Lucha Brothers get theirs back and retain? Uh, yes, because I think they're the ones that got up on the ladder. Uh, what was it, Fight for the Fallen, where they got up and they said, uh, we challenge you to a ladder match at All Out. I, I think the fact that they went out there and made the challenge, uh, I do think they're getting those AAA titles back. because Honestly, I think we're going to get some kind of AEW tag title at some point and in a weird way uh, it makes more sense for the Lucha Brothers to have this to be able to go back and forth to Mexico to defend because that was part of their agreement right well they are currently the champs so you're saying that they're going to retain I'm sorry I had it backwards I thought the Young Bucks had taken it yeah. back from them no the, the Lucha Brothers won it, won it back at AAA I can't keep recently, up. I'm so. sorry I know. <laughs> it makes more sense for them to have it. So, yes, Lucha Brothers win and retain because they need to be the AAA, you know, the Mexico title holders. So, I, I, it just really doesn't make any sense that the Young Bucks have it. Why, why do they need it? And AEW needs its own tag titles, and the Young Bucks would probably be the perfect ones, whether it's Dark Order or Best Friends or SCU or somebody uh, to have the AEW tag team titles first. I I actually would have to agree with you. I think they need to give the Lucha Brothers some sort of win because they haven't won yet in yeah. AEW. They they need to. Yep. Cody versus Sean Spears in in my opinion, what is the most most engaging build so far on this card? I love the dynamic between Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears. Um, I love the fact that Cody has gotten himself just absolutely jacked uh, for this match. Who do you think is taking this one? Uh, Sean Spears. I would have to agree. I think that Cody needs to take a loss. Um, it would. It's going to be more engaging heading into the show to have Sean Spears be a monster heel and have you got to show that Telly Telly has done something with him. Yeah, like you have to have 
another strong heel to do that. Spears has to win here. And you have to legitimize Spears outside of an ambush chair shot because that's really all that has happened here. You can look at all the videos Agreed. and all the interviews and all of that stuff. You know, Outside of that match that he had at Fight for the Fallen, which was like a group match, you know, it's like six it was, man time. He just kind of showed up and everyone chanted 10 and that was it. Yeah. So this will be the match that he has to def- – Cody will be fine. Cody, Cody's always going to be Cody. Uh, and it gives him a sort of redemption face angle to go back and get get his win back. Um, but Sean Spears, if you don't up put Sean Spears over here, you completely delegitimize you everything you've done so far. Agreed. If nothing else, has got to be a schmoz finish where he gets himself disqualified and murders Cody, something like that. Eh. Whatever. I'm yeah. still going to say Sean Spears wins. He should win it clean. Yeah, he should. Um, and just demolish him. Yep. Kenny Omega versus Pac, originally supposed to be John Moxley, but now it's Pac. Who do you think is winning this one? This one's hard. I really, really, really wanted Kenny Omega and Moxley. Like all of the building we've done all summer, since Memorial Day, since Double or Nothing, uh, with the Moxley surprise appearance, throwing Kenny off the stack of chips, all that stuff. Uh, it, It feels all for naught. And even now, we've got Kenny out there cutting promos on Moxley, saying, you're not loyal. You went off, you ran off to Japan and got yourself hurt. So mm-hmm. now you can't face it. Just like, damn, dude. Damn, Kenny. <laughs> it was dude, good. Dude's Great. got bursitis. Leave him alone. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I think Kenny wins here. Uh, I, Pop, he, I think he has to. He has right? to. Pop, you have to keep him strong for when Moxley comes back. Moxley is probably the most interesting star they have in terms of people like mainstream, mainstream wrestling awareness the excitement is really big around moxley like you said everyone wanted to see him if you don't have kenny omega stay strong for that ultimate moxley match then you're murdering that match yeah. i think that you have to have and Pac honestly needs to pay for for uh ditching them for double or nothing frankly yeah uh so either way it's gonna be a hell of a match you talk about stealing the show gate. i think this is the one <laughs> I'm a Dragon Gate title. Boo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, finally, Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page for the first ever AEW Heavyweight Championship. Does AEW start with a heel champ or a face champ? That's really what this comes down to. Uh, is it going to be just, you know, the the blonde Roman Reigns of AEW Hangman Page? Or is it going to be generational superstar, legend, mainstream uh, you know the guy with mainstream awareness, Chris Jericho. Go look what, at the front. What do you think they're going to do? Go look at the front. Who's standing in front of every other, one of those AEW banners announcing stuff this fall? Who is it? It's Chris Jericho. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Jericho is going to carry the AEW title onto TV uh, this fall. Absolutely, yep. it's not going to be Hangman Reigns. <laughs> I think it's. I think they'd be absolutely insane. To put it on Hangman Page at this point, right? That guy needs to be built so much more than what he is right now, which is bland babyface uh, from the Wild West. There, you know there's I mean? a new hashtag. Jericho is hashtag Hangman Reigns. <laughs> hangman, ouch. Uh, no, you're totally right. They need to go to, onto TV with Jericho as the champ. It yeah. gives him so much to do. He, his whole character has been, you know, telling Cody and everyone else like this company only exists because of me. It would just it would it would underline that it would underscore that it would give him so much more to work with. One hundred percent agreed. Jericho wins this match, and we go forward to TV with Jericho as your first ever AEW champion. Yes, yes, 
Completely, completely. There you go, guys. Well, Nick, that is that is all out. That is our predictions for all out. Looking forward to checking that out on Saturday night. But Nick, we got lots more show to go to. Starting again with NXT, which was baller this week. We had mm. a couple of great matches and some also some fascinating backstage segments and a huge debut. But let's start with Io Shirai versus Cami Fields, who, which ended with uh, exact well enhancement talent eo murdered her oh but you mean the thing to bring down. uh candice LeRae out with a kendo stick yeah that that thing yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly candice LeRae comes out that feud is still going are are you okay with it being eo and candice now that it has gone a little bit into it it feels a little bit more personal like not having it not be Kyrie. like we knew it was supposed to be Kyrie. are you okay with that now because it, it, it has some history and it does feel a little bit more personal yeah sure fine it just oh, it feels it feels <laughs> underwhelming, you know. No. The match that they had at Takeover was oh my god! That's what I'm saying. How can you All be underwhelmed credit. after seeing that match? Aren't you more excited now for this? Uh, surprisingly, remarkably, no. I, I just I, I I guess I don't get Candice LeRae. She, she I don't get you. That's fine. Okay, I I am madly in love with the gimmick and the Tron and the music and the look of evil Shirai. I, like, I want I want everything to do with that and more. I just don't know if Candice LeRae is the right opponent for someone like that to, to go up against. I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. It doesn't, I, I want more. Hmm. All right. I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, if you wanted more, you got that <laughs> in the Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijakov Konotich. Dijak! It's Dijak, damn it. Dijak, damn it. Dijak. He will be referred to as Dijak for the rest of the show. Keith Lee versus Dijak. Uh, first match since, I believe, February before Dijak got injured and all kinds of other stuff happened. Keith got injured, then Dijak got injured. And, uh, finally, they got back to it. And before we were saying they're going to slowly build this and every time they're going to give us a little bit more, this match they were like, all right, guys, this is why you were waiting for this. This is why we here on the show were telling you just wait until t- these two guys unleash. We've been trying to they, tell y'all. They unleashed, oh, Nick. They unleashed. Uh, we had. I mean, first of all, these two guys sell each other's offense so well, and they sell those moments of like manning up and and getting each other's face and they, yep. all that. All the chemistry is so beautiful between these two, just in those moments. And then, you know, there's stuff like Dijak doing a front flip off of the uh, top turnbuckle and Keith Lee catching him, because uh, why not? Sure. Dijak doing a Fosbury flop, you know, Keith Lee doing a, a, a springboard crossbody from the outside, or I don't know, a 600-pound Spanish fly, off avalanche Spanish fly. Spanish fly. Good Lord. And it looked like I, w- I, w- I was really scared because it looked like Keith came right down on his head. And I'm like, no, no. When Lance Archer and Will Ospreay did a Spanish fly from the top rope and the first night of the G1, we lost our minds because yeah. Lance Archer, six foot eight, eight or whatever he is six, doing eight, a Spanish yeah. fly is nuts. But it's fine. He just has to, he has to get up there and do a front flip. You know, Ospreay's doing the tougher stuff. Yeah. This is two guys that are on either side of 300 pounds. That's nuts. And this match was nuts. Just nuts. That being said, Dijak did pull out the win with a feast your eyes from a draped Keith Lee from the top rope. Just gnarly. Uh, 
obviously, we both think it lived up to the hype. We knew it would. Hopefully, it will be an ongoing feud, and they'll just build and do more crazy shit. But did did Lee need this win more than Dijak, in your opinion, I, going forward? I think forward? he's going to get it back. I don't think this is the last we've seen of these two. I think it's either one of these guys could have won, and it really wouldn't have mattered to me because the whole time I was just like, eh, yes, just watching the entire time, just in awe of, of these two guys. Um, I don't think it matters so much until they start circling a title. Uh, let's find out what's going to happen with the North American title and see which one comes out after it. Maybe Keith Lee pokes his head in uh, on uh, the North American title. You know, let's say if Roderick Strong happens to take it off a of Dream, maybe Dijak uh-huh. goes after Dream to get it off of him, and then Keith Lee gets involved to come in. I think we are just getting started with Keith Lee and Dijak, and it could be one of the more compelling feuds of it of NXT maybe ever. If I don't think you need a title go. for this. I think you can just have these two big boys. That crowd was freaking out over this match. I was with good out. reason. <laughs> we all we all were. Anyone who watched, you can't not freak out when these yeah. guys go at it. Uh, we had a Johnny Gargano video package where he basically summed up his career up until now. Said I'm NXT, and we're left wondering what's next for Johnny Gargano. He doesn't look like he's going to the main roster, especially with NXT going to uh, USA, going to two hours, and they need someone to just be Mister NXT. So it feels like Johnny's staying, but then Shane Thorne comes out and starts rapping, running his mouth about him to the commentary group. Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne? Okay. Mm, yeah, I don't know what I feel about that yet. The thing that um, NXT love, has been I love amazing that Shane about, Thorne has a berserk tattoo, but he's not over with me yet. <laughs> the thing that NXT has been amazing at for the last two or three years at least is building these long-term feuds. What we've seen with uh, Champa and Gargano. Uh, what we've seen with some of the stuff that Matt Riddle has been doing, Adam Cole and Gargano now uh, coming up in the, as the most recent one, you know the old DIY and AOP fuse that went kind of went on forever. All of this stuff, I think they've done a fantastic. Shane Thorne needs more time. He needs a he needs a character. He I'd rather see Damian Priest get a shot at Johnny Gargano because at least I know what Damian Priest is about. I don't have a clue. Why I'm supposed to care about Shane Thorne. And but that's maybe why. that's the point. Maybe that's exactly what this is. Is You've got someone like Johnny Gargano, and they think that Johnny Gargano can help define Shane Thorne. They okay. see potential in Shane Thorne, and maybe Johnny can help him. And I do too, frankly. I just don't think he's up there, you know, top of the card echelon quite yet. Maybe not yet, but... Hopefully he can change our minds with this feud with Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you one feud that I'm very excited to see uh, is the next one for Shayna Baszler because she came out to uh, talk smack. We'll never know because she didn't get to say anything because as soon as she and her horsewoman got to the ring, whose music should kick but Rhea Ripley, the inaugural NXT UK Women's Champion, uh, came out with her new side braids and shaved head and, and looking absolutely goddamn amazing uh, and her amazing music and stalked down to the ring, got up in Shayna's face, stole her mic before Shayna could say anything and said, I know what you're going to say, Shayna. You're going to say, no one's, uh, hey, no one can beat me. You never faced me yet, bitch. What? And then mic. threw down the mic, dropped the mic, and uh, got in Shayna's face. Shayna and the horsewoman backed off, left, and Ray was left in the ring just looking like a badass. Is this how you debut somebody? 
Yes. Can the main roster take lessons from this? Yes. You don't have them come out and beat up Natty. Because I, I just got... <laughs> Ouch. I just got chills even talking about this segment after seeing it. Like, honestly, obviously, it helps that I'm already a fan of Rhea Ripley, and I think she's the next big, big thing. But regardless of who it is, if you sell someone like this coming out, yes, please. If something happens this weekend at Cardiff that I think might happen at UK TakeOver, uh, I don't think Rhea will be the only one coming over. <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that next when we talk about the NXT UK Cardiff. In the yes. meantime, let's get to the re- <laughs> let's get the rest of this. Um, Pete Dunn had a promo where he says that he might be in the back of the line now as far as the North American Championship because he lost there. But he's basically going to come for anybody who gets in his way. So who do you see Pete Dunn starting with and taking out? Um, I don't know. A couple of jobbers. Just smash some people. Just be bruiserweight again. Just yeah. be... I don't think it's going to be jobbers. I think he's too big for that. I think he's going to get people that are the next step up, whether sure. it's people from the tournament they just had yeah. or like less like like Kona Reeves or someone like that. You know, someone on that level. Yeah. No. So. Absolutely. Any of those guys that were in that breakout tournament could absolutely, you know, <laughs> be fodder for Pete Dunn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I absolutely let him climb back up to the top. Let him have a shot at Adam Cole eventually later this year. Whatever. Give the bruiser weight whatever he wants. Uh, that dude, it, you know, it was funny when I when I first saw him, I was very into Tyler Bate, so I didn't really give him the time of day. But he has grown yeah. on me over the last couple of years in a very big way, um, as just just a hardcore worker. And I think that's what a lot of people's perception of him as well. Yeah, coming out in a so. singlet, nothing flash, big old mouthpiece, just beating the hell out of everybody, breaking fingers along yeah. the way. That's what I like in my wrestlers, and I'm I'm yeah. all about some Pete Dunn now. So, and frankly, what's interesting, I think the perception backstage is that he's just a more mature person than Tyler Bate. And Tyler is, you know, he's a absolutely amazing top echelon wrestler. Um, but there was a lot of personal stuff that Tyler was going through that just kind of underlined that he wasn't quite as mature. Whereas you know, Pete Dunn has a family. He's settled down. He's already had his, he already has a kid. That Dude is man just out there. has a family. <laughs> he's got a family. Uh, so I think that I think that this, the perception was just that he's more stable, and I think that's why they're giving him more, and I think that's why he's at where he's at right now. Yeah. So that and the I mean, because they're both just massively talented guys, very different styles, but massively talented. Esmeralda we'll in the Tyler chat Bate. said uh, Dunn versus Swerve Scott. Uh, Dunn versus Drew Gulak. I don't know if he's going to go to two of five guys off the top. Uh, you know, my my guess would be. Um, Is that the new cruiserweight burger joint? Two of five guys. <laughs> two of five guys. Okay, moving on. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Street Profits versus Undisputed Era was our main event of the night for the tag team titles, and I'll just make this quick and easy. Great match, but I'll be damned. The Street Profits lost, Nick. Montez Ford did a massive frog splash, missed, uh, probably because he just he landed weird on his strange puffy nerps and uh, ended up taking a high-low and getting pinned. And the Undisputed Era are your new champs. What? Why? What? They, did this on, they had the chance to do this on a pay-per-view, and they didn't, but they had a, a weird finish where 
Undisputed Era said, oh, the, the ref, t- you know, counted the wrong guy. And so they got another shot at it and they won. What was the logic behind having the Street Profits win on the pay-per-view and having Undisputed Era win on TV afterwards? There's rumors and speculation that this is evidence of Vince meddling in NXT. And I don't buy that for a second. Uh, I think there's a grander plan for the Street Profits to come up. Uh, I don't know if it'll be before or after War Games, but to be determined. Uh, but I, I do think the Street Profits are on their way to the main roster. They've already been seen doing oh, backstage sure. segment stuff. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be hype. They're gonna be you know hype men for the crowd that are just gonna get everybody going. And oh it's, uh, yeah, Vince Vince saw them. He's like, what? Huh? Funny black guys. Huh? <laughs> I know just what to do with them, pal. Right. Oh yeah, they're great. So no, Vince has discovered them, and I think that's why it was just a matter of time. That's why, like. Honestly, I'm I'm so mad at NXT because they obviously listened to our show and yeah. heard me pick Street Profits to lose at TakeOver. And they're like, huh, we'll stick it to Ian. And nope, they lost there, but then they or they won there, but then they lost it here. Uh, honestly, we, we knew they were going to the main roster. They're already, you know. They got one foot got in the door already. They're doing. Yeah. They've already got stuff to do on the main roster. It was just a matter of time. The only logic I can see behind it would be they wanted that feel good win at that takeover, um, and that because Adam Cole was was winning the big one, they wanted to have some faces win somewhere on the card. Yeah, and it it was you know it was basically almost no time later. It was just TV tapings right afterwards. They dropped the titles and they can show up on TV uh, on the main roster, and Undisputed Era can still begin their trek towards fulfilling this prophecy. Yep. So, yeah. At this I, but point, I agree, we know Nick. It's, it's a question happen. like, are they going to stick around for a little bit, or are they straight off the Vince land right now? Good question. I, that's why I said it's undetermined for me whether they're going to stick around for war games here in a few months or if they're going to make that move right away as we go to TV. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm thinking about things, you know. I, I don't want to make it race-related. You know, I, I don't want it to be like we need some more inclusivity and things like that in, in WWE, so we need another uh, team... Do you call it a team of color? We need more people of color in the WWE when they go to TV. I don't know. I'm reaching here. But I, that's the way I, I think I corporate I, stuff exists or, or thinks, right? No, I, I was, I, I'm more speaking about the fact that, you know, you've got two very talented guys in the street province. They can both talk their heads off. Yeah. Great on the mic. Great in the ring. But unfortunately, throughout history, we've seen what Vince does with that. Um, you know, I love that. I love that uh, the Xavier Woods line when uh, when he said like, "Oh well, Vince has done all these other things to to black teams. Like, there's no way he could find like a new racist, you know, thing to have us do." And then Vince was like, "By the way, y'all are gonna be preachers." And he was Woods was like, "I was wrong. He found a new one." <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is Vince's thing. Like, it's it's actually been a uh, a trope for a while yeah. where. He's been accused of, well, if you, if you have a, an African-American superstar, at some point, he's going to make him dance. You know, So we'll see. Uh, I, I really do have the highest hope for the Street Profits. I have come, I have come a hun- a completely 180 around on them since they first debuted in NXT. You know this, Nick. Yeah. Um, so I wish them well on the main roster. I kind of hope like if they're smart, they keep them in NXT. Yeah, at least for uh, a little while. You know, get get to the end of the for- year. Get past TakeOver War Games. You know, let, yeah. let, let them ride so, out. Whatever. The, yeah. Have them just not be the champs. They're just there. That's fine. You need these teams in NXT. You got two hour show. You need entertaining people. And the main roster is stacked enough. Yeah. So 
that's my thoughts on that. Next week, we've got Velveteen Dream versus Kona Reeves in a non-title match. All right. Um, I, I smell a strong. I smell a strong in that one. And Jordan Miles is getting his shot at Adam Cole and Adam Cole's championship, which will be Adam Cole's first title defense victory. I'm calling it now. Yeah, there's no way. Nick, Jordan, are you ready? Jordan with, Miles there's is no beating way. Adam Cole. There's no way. There's no way. It's not happening. Whether it's whether it's straight up clean or whether the undisputed era gets involved, Miles is not winning this. No. Nick, NXT UK Cardiff. We're going to talk about this. Uh, we'll give our quick pickums here for this. If you have, we we don't talk about it enough on this show, so it's. It's going to be kind of a quick primer if you all don't watch this. I'm actually um, really looking forward to this show. This card looks absolutely amazing. It's a sick card. Yeah. It's a sick card. The top of the card. Let's go top to bottom. Okay. Top of the card, Walter. Mm. One of uh, yours and my favorite guys. Walter is defending against Tyler Bate, the inaugural NXT UK champion uh, for the UK championship. This has been building ever since Walter won his rematch against uh, uh, Pete Dunne. And his newly formed group, Imperium, has been facing off with the rest of Mustache Mountain, um, Tyler, uh, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven. So this is all coming down to this. Do you think that Walter retains here in this, I guess we can call it a David versus Goliath match? Yes, I do think he retains. I would have to agree. I see no reason why they should take, Walter, well, take it off of Walter this soon, and I think it would only help strengthen Imperium. Uh, if he beats Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate can absolutely afford this loss because, dear God, it's Walter. You can lose to Walter and not look bad. <laughs> so, uh, on the women's side of things, the UK Women's Championship current champion is Tony Storm, Nick's favorite human being on the planet, other yep. than his lovely girlfriend. Yes. Um, Hi, she Esther. is defending against Kaylee Ray uh, in what I can only say probably is the the biggest challenge for Tony Storm since she initially won it off of Rhea Ripley back in January. Right. I believe it was. So this is probably, I think, going to be her toughest match yet. Do you think that Kaylee's picking this up here? Yes. Really? And why is that, Nick? Uh, it's funny. I actually, you know, I think Jacob and I in, I think it was Jacob, forgive me if it was somebody else, in the Discord had this discussion either earlier today or yesterday uh, when we were talking about uh, Rhea coming out. And I was like, oh, man. I would so much have rather that rather have been uh, Tony Storm, but she's the current champion. She'd have to drop it first. I think if they had waited, it's interesting that they brought Rhea over to face um, Shayna. I think Tony Storm would have been a much better choice there. As much as I love Rhea Ripley as well, it just feels like it's less of two kind of Healy badasses, kind of the same mm-hmm. archetype in a way, right? Um, I. I would love to see Kaylee Ray take the title off. Tony Storm needs to be in NXT proper. <laughs> Period. Uh, this she's not getting the exposure. Oh, I know there's. I remember there's reasons why she went to the UK. It was something to do with progress. She could still do progress and things like that. I, I don't remember all the details from 18 months ago. Um, but it, yeah, I, Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler all in NXT at full sail. Just stop. Just yeah. Oh, and at this point, you know, Jordan Grace is the current progress women's champion, so Tony can she can take off now if she wants to. Yep. I personally think she's retaining against Kaylee Rakes. I think she's got a bigger challenger coming in the future, and in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that challenger got involved in this match, and that's Jazzy Gabbard. Ooh. Okay. So yeah, I, I think that Tony retains here, but she's gonna she's gonna uh, have some trouble on her next one. Her next one. Well, I think she retains here. 
Her next defense is going to be a tough one for her. Uh, the uh, NXT UK tag titles, you got Zach Gibson and James Drake, the grizzled young vets, versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Mm. Uh, do you think that the grizzled young vets retain, or which team do they drop it to? I think they retain. I think Zach Gibson would, and James yeah. I think the grizzled young vets are kind of the hot, one of the hottest tag teams right now. God, their match at the last takeover was so good. Yeah. So I, I have nothing bad to say about them, and, and the other guys will be fine. So I, nothing, yeah. nothing. I mean, it's going to be a baller match. You put Mark, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster <laughs> with Coffee and Wolfgang and no. Zach Gibson and James Drake. That, Beautiful. That match could be match of the night right there. Yeah, but I agree. Grizzled Young Vets, they have to retain here. I, I don't think that they should take it off of them yet. They've got to establish that they're dominant champs, that they can pull out a victory like this. So, yeah, agreed. Grizzled Young Vets. Totally agree. Yep. That's, uh, that's a gimme. Uh, gimme. D- uh, Dave Mastiff versus Joe Coffey in a last man standing match. Oh, God. Somebody going to be hard hitting. <laughs> By God. Um, big boys doing yeah, big boy right. things. I love it. Yeah. Who do you think is taking this one? Uh, coin flip almost. You know, it's, it's one of those. Really? Uh, let's go Joe Coffey. I think Joe okay, Coffey. Okay, interesting. I would, I, so I. I Mastiff would agree is with hot you right now. I, I understand that, but I, I think he'll be okay. I think Joe Coffey needs a little bit of a oomph. Uh, after after losing his his title uh, challenge, yeah. The, the only yeah. problem is, is I think because of that, Mastiff is the one who needs to have the next shot at Walter. Sure. And I think that he does that yeah. by building something here. This I gets, think Mastiff yeah. wins here. Oh, you're and and my then mind. goes on and has some momentum for Walter. I was so think happy about with it. my I mean, pick until you said that. <laughs> That's why I waited until you made your pick to say it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'll, stick with, I'll stick with Joe Coffee. I'll, st- I'll, okay, I'll honor good. my pick and stick with Joe Coffee. Good. Plus, it'll make uh, it more interesting in the pickums. <laughs> exactly. Make it that much more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Another piece of Naya merch for you, sir. Finally, Travis Banks versus Noam Dar. Mm. Uh, this should just be a, I think this should just be a fun match. I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, a big deal, but it'll, it'll, it'll be a fun match. Who do you think's taking this one? Travis, Travis, Travis fucking Banks. Really? Yeah. You're going Kiwi on this, are I you? I'm, I'm, I'm going Noam Dar myself. I think that he needs it more than Travis does. Travis is established. Noam Dar has been out for a while um, with, that, with that knee injury. So I think Dar needs it a lot more than, than Banks does. I think Banks That's can fair. get it back. He's, you know, people know. People know Banks is a good dude. So yeah. and Don't yeah. sleep on this I, match either, guys. This one's going to be ball. Agree. It, it could definitely be a sleeper match. Yeah. Finally, uh, Cesaro has been announced to have something to do with with NXT UK this time. We don't know what. Last time we had an impromptu Finn Balor versus Jordan Devlin match. Uh, what do you think Cesaro's going to awesome. get up to here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you think he's going to be up to? Facing Pete Dunne. Oh. Why wouldn't they do that at full sale with Pete Dunn's over there? Or Jordan Devlin. I don't know. Maybe Jordan Devlin's just the guy they throw at people. Yeah. That come Here's this NXT know. superstar. Go fight him, Jordan. Well, because Pete Dunn did say, I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's an NXT UK or an NXT or wherever. I'll fight anybody anywhere. Yep. Okay. And frankly, Cesaro, Pete Dunn, put it in my eye holes. <laughs> Give yes. it to me now. Yeah. Give it to me. Those guys would kill each other, man. I don't. I don't know if that's safe. To they would kill each other for my together. pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I would like that. Oh man! All right. So that is that is NXT UK Cardiff uh, Takeover Cardiff. Also Saturday night. 
Nick, a couple more things to run down, and we get some listener questions. 205 Live, we did have Umberto Carrillo defeat Oni Lorcan this week, which means he will be the next guy taking on Drew Gulak uh, on the pre-show of Clash of right. Champions. <laughs> <laughs> Your prophecy's coming true, though. The whole time I, you've been saying Umberto Carrillo was the, the next guy. So I'm congrats. You. you you called that shot they, months ago. They needed to just get him to prove himself, and he has been. He's been proven he can get over. He's been proven that uh, you know, he can work as a strong baby face. Here he is. I don't think he's beaten Drew, but I think that the fact they're giving him a title shot shows they do have faith in him. Um, and I think that I think that he is a guy, like keep an eye out on him. Yeah. Uh that kid has that kid has everything. Everything. Yeah. So looking looking forward to that. New Japan, Nick. Let's talk New Japan real quick. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot in the wide world. We we said there was a lot. We were not lying. There's a lot to talk about. New Japan, the Super J Cup just wrapped up this last week. Prepare for some spoilers. I know it has not been on NewJapanWorld.com yet. It's coming out supposedly sometime in September. Um, the reason for that is that uh, Access TV is not handling the production. Uh, New Japan actually farmed out their uh, video production to independent contractors in each city that they were in, Tacoma, San Francisco, and here in Los Angeles and Long Beach. Um, so they're waiting for them to edit down the shows and get the, uh, the, the finished product back to New Japan and then get that loaded up on the newjapanworld.com. So that is why the delay, I can't imagine they would make us wait too long to see that. I'm actually looking forward to watching the show that, that I was at again because it was pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so I can mostly talk only about night three because that's only that's what I saw. Uh, but I did read about stuff that happened in the other nights. So if you're worried about spoilers, tune out for about the next six to seven minutes because we are going to give away some spoilers, starting with the fact that Osprey went through Amazing Red and Show. Show defeated Ishimori on the first night. Uh, so Osprey went all the way to the semis on the night that I was there. Uh, apparently the match with Amazing Red, by the way, might be another Osprey 2019 classic. Damn. Um, Alvarez and Meltzer were both at that. Uh, I think, uh, sorry, Alvarez was at that one. Meltzer was on San Francisco. Um, and not just Alvarez. A lot of people said that the the Amazing Red Osprey match was absolutely lights out. Just amazing. Which I think is, that's beautiful because of how much Osprey credits Amazing Red with his move set and you know everything else. Yeah. And Amazing Red has been has basically been doing Will Osprey stuff since 2003. <laughs> uh, arguably invented the the Canadian Destroyer. Like the guy has invented a ton of moves. So looking forward to seeing that. Uh, El Fantasmo defeated Robbie Eagles in the first round, and then TJP, who had defeated Clark Connors in the first round, he went on to face Osprey at the show I saw. Uh, Dragon Lee. Moved on to the semis by defeating Yo, who had beaten Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, uh, sorry, he defeated Yo, and then Ryusuke Taguchi. Taguchi had gotten to the second round by defeating uh, Gresham. And uh, Karistico got to the semis by defeating Bushi and Soberano Jr. Soberano had taken out Rocky Romero in the first round. Which is, By the way, that this blew my mind. I can't believe they wouldn't go for an easy Bushi-Rocky Romero grudge match right. in the quarters. I that bl- that busted my whole bracket on this side. <laughs> it was just destroyed this side of my bracket. But okay, whatever. We ended up with uh, Osprey versus El Fantasmo and Dragon Lee versus Caristico. Lee and Caristico started off the night on uh, night three, the, the one I was there for. Honestly, everyone was excited because it was a lucha match in L.A., so lots of screaming in in Spanish. But uh, kind of an average match. Uh, but then we then Osprey and El Fantasmo came out and just 
lit the place up. Just absolutely. That, their match was unbelievable. Uh, unfortunately, it ended with some interference from Taiji Ishimori, who cost Osprey the match. And El Fantasmo went on to the finals to face Dragon Lee. That place was pissed. Yeah, I bet. Pissed that Osprey lost. And But you can ask around. I did call this. By the time we got to the semis, we saw this lineup. I said Fantasmo was taking the whole thing. And he did in the later match against Dragon Lee. He did actually end up winning the whole thing clean, by the way. No interference from Bullet Club. He just went up straight up, straight beat the crap out of Dragon Lee. But we'll get to that. I want to get to the middle of the show. Okay. Uh, Alex Coughlin defeated Shota Umino, which got some booze. Shota was super over. Jonathan Gresham got his win back by beating Clark Connors. Sobrano Jr. beat uh, Ren Narita. And uh, it just kind of like 50-50 booking. It felt like all the people that came were nice enough to come and join in on the Super J Cup got to win back over a young lion, essentially. Um, I'm just curious what they're going to do with Shooter, man. Like, John Moxley has gotten that kid over as hell. He's lost without him. He's, maybe that's what it is. He's lost <laughs> he without, can't without he, John. He needs his compass of John Moxley. <laughs> He's lost. He's still got his stone-cold fucking stare, though. Yeah, he does. Juice Robinson also beat Carl Fredericks in a fun match. It was just kind of there. It was nice to see Juice. Juice was very over. Uh, and then we had probably the most fun match of the night, which was a tag match. TJP, Amazing Red, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Jushin Thunder Liger versus uh, Chaos, represented by Robbie Eagles, Sho Yo, and Rocky Romero. What was bizarre to me is TJP still hated by everybody. Everyone hates TJP. Bizarre. Yeah. Don't know why. But uh, they did pull off the win. TJP Amazing Red. Uh, TJP with the action with the pin with the win. Uh, fun little match. It was just basically the most. The first part was Ryusuke Taguchi trying to hit people with his butt and kept on missing. <laughs> and when he finally connected, the crowd went wild. Nice. But uh, yeah, and also by the way, Jushin Thunder Liger. Good lord, him and Red Shoes. I think got the biggest chance of the night. Biggest oh, pops. Yeah. So, a lot of fun. Then we had the uh, tag match: Naito and Bushi versus Taiji Ishimori and Jay mm. White. As you would expect, ended with some uh, tomfoolery and and white pinned Bushi, and then beat the absolute crap out of Naito. Here's where things get interesting, Nick. Here's where things get interesting. If you guys have listened to our G1 recaps, you know that Nick and I almost lost our crap when we realized that Kota Ibushi wants to go for two belts, and then Naito says he wants to go for two belts, and Naito has the IC belt. And with the with the two day schedule of Wrestle Kingdom, it's now possible that both Ibushi or either Ibushi or Naito could have two belts. Well, guess what? Jay White heard them. Now he wants two belts. Of course he does. So he actually challenged Naito for his IC belt, and apparently that match is happening at uh, Destruction in Kobe on September twenty second. So Jay up. White's prophecy could come true. And Jay White could end up with the Intercontinental and IWGP belts and be the first guy to have both. And the, <laughs> and the whole world will burn. Oh, my God. Can like, you imagine? The whole point of the G1 was to make to anoint Ibushi. Right. And here comes Jay but White. That, <laughs> but now they can have it both ways. You can have Ibushi run through everyone at the G1, but still have Jay White sneaking through the back door like the a-hole he is. Fucking Gato. <laughs> so yeah great stuff um i thought jay white was the most hated guy there because the, he tried to give this speech after the match and he got booed so it was like roman after beating the undertaker at wrestlemania where he just couldn't speak they were booing him so hard they were oh they hated him so badly you're you're talking about uh, jay white 
I'm talking about Jay White. Okay. Well, I thought he was the most hated guy, but then after El Fantasmo beat Dragon Lee, he called out Will Ospreay. Oh, boy. By calling him the autistic assassin. Oh, boy. Which did not go over well. No. He actually, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so long story short, Will Ospreay comes out, you know, beats the crap out of El Fantasmo. Robbie Eagles comes out, beats up Taiji Ishimori, who had come out to help El Fantasmo. Osprey challenges. Uh, Osprey says, "Okay, El Fantasmo, you won. You can have a shot at me anytime you want in my IWGP Junior Heavyweight Belt. Uh, me and Robbie Eagles want to take your and Taiji Ishimori's Junior Heavyweight Tag Belts. Okay, we have some matches made. Osprey gets to close the show looking really strong, which he did. Uh, everyone loved that. Everyone left happy because Osprey, you know, looked like a million bucks. Uh, on his way out, though, as El Fantasmo was retreating, members of the crowd went for him." Like, went over the fence at him. They were so mad at him. And he actually got real heat online about the autistic assassin comment. And this is actually one thing I kind of wanted to chat about with you, Nick. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to just bring it up real quick, is the idea of cheap heat versus bad heat versus real heat in modern wrestling because that's the kind of epithet that you could say 20 years ago and it would get serious heat. But now there's there seems to be a cultural people saying no no you can't say that and El Fantasmo has actually come out and apologized on Twitter and said look I'm not that good on the mic I'm sorry guys it was a dumb comment it wasn't scripted it just came out um, it's not who I am kind of thing very seemed like a very genuine apology and I feel I have a feeling it'll get swept under the rug but is it legitimate to to have to make a heel apologize for being a heel? Ah. Mm. Uh. I'm torn. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really torn here because if you think about all of the things that go on in wrestling, cutting promos, you know, the bullying sort of tactics, the name calling, the making fun of some attribute, Chad Gable being short, is this really that much, you know, are you making fun of someone's mental deficiency? Is that different than calling somebody short? I don't know. Is it kind of the same thing? Kinda. So do you give one a pass versus the other? I don't know where that line is, and I'm not going to be the judge and jury of that on this show. But, I, I, it, yeah, that's pr- it's bad form. Like, <laughs> you, right. there's so many other things you could have called him that, w- you know, in California, of all places, arguably one yeah. of the most progressive places in the world, uh, you know, that, that would have worked just as well than, than using that as a slight on somebody. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm torn. I don't want to make it about wrestling and what wrestlers can and can't say, but there's obvious things. This is one of those that's, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deficiency of the person, no different than being short or being heavy set or being... I don't, be careful you know, about the word deficiency, though, even. Like, I, you know, it's, it's an attribute. It's something that's, that, that's that you, fair. you're born with. You know one what I mean? That, like, it's, it's, just, it's just who you are. I, and one of the guys I came with is, is in the spectrum and is a savant and does numbers and all of this stuff in investment banking. You know, it's it's different. It's it's sure. different it's absolutely different than calling somebody short or heavy or whatever you want to say. But I, I don't know that I want I, I I really don't know. I'm on the line. I'm on the fence. It's and I've been I've been again, I don't want to make a definitive answer here either because I'm still chewing it over too. I'm still really trying to 
determined in my own mind. And it's not fair for me to really make a decision because obviously it didn't offend me because I'm not on the spectrum. And so I, I really don't have a say as to whether or not, you know, it's, it should be something that you could be offended by or not. Um, but you know, to me in the audience, I kind of felt li- like here's like Osprey has been fairly open about, you know, some of the mental issues that he's had, whether it's depression or whether it's, you know, his obvious ADD, the, the guy said that if he wasn't into wrestling, he'd go insane because all the energy lets him get out. Um, I actually wasn't sure if Osprey had come out and admitted that he was on the spectrum and that Phantasma was just calling that out as a pejorative, but that it was a fact kind of like calling Chad Gable short. Well, he is short. But, you know, then the story becomes him overcoming that and overcoming that bullying. Um, you know, I, I find the whole idea of Chad Gable overcoming someone bullying him about being short much less tasteless than, say, Eugene as a, as a character. Um, and I, I frankly didn't think twice about the whole autistic assassin comment, frankly, until I saw people getting really mad about it online. And maybe that's on me. But at the same time, it was something where I just kind of went, ooh, he said that, but then didn't think more about it other than, well, he's just being a heel, and it's a heel's job to be a dick. You know, I still recall Bret Hart calling people three-letter three letter F word. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I know times are very different now. So it, it is tough for me to wrap my head around where I want my heels to be heels, and I want them, again, it is very cheap heat to use that sort of thing and they should be able to go out there uh, and get heat differently. I know MJF has really walked that line a couple of times and I know that I'm sure at some point he's going to step over it. And I don't think that I, I, it's tough for me to, to see a heel have to break kayfabe and apologize for something. Um, I definitely wasn't a fan of Raven having to apologize for crucifying Sandman. That was strictly, I mean, we, we know that was politically motivated. That was Paul Heyman trying to keep Kurt Angle from getting mad. Um, you know, I don't think he should have done it though. Yeah. Uh, but in this situation, just with the way that modern wrestling is, should Phantasmo have had to apologize? I, I think that it's probably smart for his career to have had to. Sure. He was probably, because, you know, whether or not he was coached to or not by some PR person of it, new Japan, whatever. Uh, at the same time, I don't want, I don't want to think. I don't want these guys walking on eggshells so much that it makes their promos uh, just boring and vanilla. You know, I, I want right. there to be a little bit of oomph in them. And if it means using a no-no word every now and then, how many F-bombs get dropped at indie shows all the time? I mean, how many? we watch the G1s. They're spitting on each other. They're calling each other all kinds of words. Just, why all just of a sudden is you the see word this. Aut- There's a lot of F-bombs dropped on this show, too. Yeah, so why is all of a sudden referring to someone as autistic a slight? Well, no, I'm not. Well, well because was it, he was well, he was referring to it thing? as a pejorative in a pejorative way. I, so, I, under, I understand. Again, I just let's don't let's come back to this when it airs. We'll come back to it when it airs. We'll think about it between now and then. We'll come back and talk about it some more. We have we have right. more show to do, and and it, this is a huge topic uh, that I would love to get into more. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do a bonus episode about maybe. it. I think that there's a a lot of a lot of gray area there, um, and I'm not ready to come down on one side or the other. Me either, frankly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. What have we got left here? I think it is time for us to go over and do our listener questions. Guys, thank you very much for being patrons. And if you'd like to get in on some listener questions every single week, we got a lot of them this week, uh, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier or higher if you want more stuff. 
Uh, but that's all it takes to get into the listener questions every single week. Patreon.com slash BWO. First up, we've got Josh. Uh, with WWE being the undisputed champions of underutilizing and straight bungling superstars, who do you think <laughs> <laughs> who do you think would benefit the most from leaving the company and where should they go? Jesus. Wow. You want me to narrow it down? I mean, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing. Where should they go? Let's start with that. Because we don't know yet how viable AEW is going to be. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, it's automatic. It's the next big thing is going to be great. We don't know that. We no. have no idea if AEW's got the money but uh, and the creative freedom. Do TV for a it, week for three years, and then I'll be ready to make a judgment. You know, Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would love to see someone like Cesaro in New Japan. That would be amazing. Or Chad Gable. You know, we two guys we called on this show as being underutilized. Yeah. So that's just off, off the top of my head. Um, our buddy Murphy in Japan. Uh, but that's because we know what we get from New Japan. We know what that means. You know, I'm not ready to see anybody go over to Impact because I don't think Impact is cut and dry going to be necessarily better for anybody no. ring of honor definitely not these days no and beyond that i don't know if it's going to be good for their pocketbook so and i don't want anyone to go somewhere where they're not going to get paid yeah so that's really the issue is that wwe is still the place where a lot of these people go and the place where frankly they stay because the money's good and the money's the best they're going to get and they're utilized and underappreciated i'm going to go something i'll i'll do something silly i think um, I think AEW needs some big men. I think something along the lines of a Braun Strowman. <laughs> I knew you were done. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, I'll do. I yeah, knew it. Bra Braun Strowman. No, Braun's never leaving. Braun Strowman. AEW. Stop. Braun Strowman is the uh, the perfect archetype of a WWE superstar for Vince McMahon. He's never leaving WWE. They will always pay yep. him, but. They actually, there was a story that came out this week about Braun Strowman being unhappy with his career earlier this year and barging into a production meeting, interrupting Vince McMahon and saying, we need to talk now. Vince kicked everybody out, talked Braun down and said, I know you're not happy right now, but you're my guy. We're going to do things with you. Don't worry. And Braun said, that right there is why I love Vince McMahon. He's my dude. I love the guy. Braun is all in on WWE. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. And Vince would be no. crazy to let him go. I agree. And so. no, he's not. He, he, <laughs> but I will restate that there need, there's a lack of big men doing big boy things in AEW, and I hope that they uh, rectify that at some point because they need uh, monsters. And Jim Ross said that he wants to get Davey Boy Smith and Lance Archer over there. Oh, so Lance Killer Archer. Elite Squad. Lance Archer in AEW would be perfect. Or a reformed oh. Killer Elite Squad. Yes. That'd be amazing. Yes. So, there you absolutely. Go. Thank you very much for the question there, Josh. Uh, next up, we got Robert with Xavier Woods injured. Do you think Big E will have to team up with Kofi to defend the tag belts? Then Kofi will lose to Randy at Clash of Champions. Uh, they mentioned that Woods should be good to go by Clash of Champions, but I have a suspicion that they will just say that his leg is still not 100%, and that's how they lose it. Uh, but I suspect it will be Biggie and Xavier Woods yeah. defending the belts. Yeah. No, same thing. Uh, I don't think Kofi's going to lose to Randy, though, this time. Agreed. Agreed. Not this time. 
Uh, next up, Jacob. With everyone talking about what wrestler is going to sign where nowadays, who is your favorite independent wrestler? Hmm. This requires some thinking because a lot of them have moved up. Um, yeah. I'm I'm probably still going to stick with Jeff Cobb for right I now. I t- t- took it right off out, out, out of my mouth. Good, I think right? Jeff, yeah. <laughs> He smells so delicious. Yeah, there's I, nobody I, I, out there like Jeff, Jeff Cobb. He's just big and round and awesome and a natural wrestler. Wears the singlet, can move like he shouldn't be supposed to move. You know, I I, I just I love Jeff Cobb. That's yeah, it. has to work on his storytelling a little bit, but yeah. love love Jeff Cobb very much. Uh, current PWD champ too. Yep. So there you go. Um, I and I I guess I don't know if I could say Wade Barrett's independent or not. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, Jeff Cobb's first hit. We got to get keep moving, so I'll say Jeff Cobb. And <laughs> that's a cheap way out. Yeah, Esmeralda said Joey Ryan. I think that's a good one as well. Some, Ooh, that's also a good. He's one. a love yeah. or hate one, right? Um, I also yeah. love the fact that he's doing shit with Superhuman now, which I know you're not a fan of, but uh, I think it's really cool that that kid's li- living up to his dream. Thank you very much for the question, Jacob. Uh, next up, Chris. I am sure Nick already went over why pairing Rude and Dolph. Was a bad eyed team Rudolph. He has coined them. there. It that's, is that's fantastic. Hashtag Rudolph. Perfect. Thank you, Chris. Uh, was a bad idea, which I totally agree with. They were fighting each other last year, but now we'll, with no explanation, they teamed up and beat the Raw Tag Team Division in a gauntlet match. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, do you want a job? Uh, what does that say about the <laughs> revival? Who they beat after two teams? Then they bring out Heavy Machinery from SmackDown to eat the pen. And then why have Sasha bury the women's tag team division in her promo? So lots to a little bit to unpack here. So the the main question being, it's almost like Jerry Fell. What's going on with this tag division? Why have Root Team Rudolph uh, just go over like this? I feel like we established how that was just a horrible, horrible idea. They're trying to make them look strong so they can go up and face a team like Seth. This happens all the time where you know you have a team that comes out of nowhere. You make them look strong in one match or even one, a wrestler. Have him look strong in one match so that he looks like he's a bigger deal or they're a bigger deal going into a big match out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just it's hot shotting. Uh, that's that's why they did this. It's ridiculous and it's not good for the tag division. It's not, yeah. It's just it's just not good all around. It's not good booking. It shows that you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's lazy. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, as far as why have Sasha bury the women's tag division in her promo? Anything you want to say there? Uh, well, she was being very perverse about everything where she, you know, she didn't really throw a fit after WrestleMania. We know that's all, that was like dirt sheet nonsense. Um, but, uh, at the same time, uh, I think that this was, we also know that she and Bailey legit fought hard for this tag team division. I think this is just heel work her as a heel burning down her history. I don't think that it, she did any damage to the women's tag team division by saying this. I think it's just heel work. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Next up, Ed. Kind of off topic, but the brand's hopefully turning a new leaf come the end of September to the beginning of October. If you two got to choose the new themes for all three shows, what would they be? Like the theme songs? Huh. Uh, okay. About themes? Hmm. Like changing SmackDown to something else? Or like changing themes like on my PlayStation where now it's an, now it's an aquarium. Right. Instead of like a Destiny background or something. 
Uh, uh, I'm not really sure. I think there, theme songs and uh, yeah, I don't know. That I'd have to take a second. I here, I always love what they do with NXT. I love the uh, the hard rock stuff and the metal stuff. I'm with Triple H. Um, so something along those lines. But again, like the opening songs to Raw and SmackDown are just kind of innocuous. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of there, and I think that's how they should be. Just I, kind of, I, although I, it is what it is, I I am so happy they have skip intro now on the network. Yeah. That and I'll leave Agreed. it at that. For, for what it's worth. I want the fist to come back. The big SmackDown oh, fist. Yeah. They showed some kind of archival footage where they were in this giant warehouse and they still had it. They oh, yeah. They still of got they that do. somewhere. Oh, yeah. They, they still have, like, sets from 2001, sets from 98. They've got the oh, WrestleMania yeah. three ring. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And the signage and everything. Yeah. It's, Can you imagine how much they pay in storage oh, fees a month? millions a month. Easily. Uh, yeah. Easily. I can't even imagine. Thank you very much for the question, Ed. Next up, Billy... It's obvious that Roman Reigns is and was the chosen one for WWE. Personally, I've always supported him. Others, not so much. No denying he's a quality in-ring worker, though. What is Roman's best match in WWE so far? Uh, he's had some real bangers, especially at the height of his hate. Solo uh, match? Because with let's, the let's Shield, go I can with think solo of a, a match. few. Um, the yeah. Shield with the Brett Wyatt family, absolutely. I can think of that one. Um Daniel Bryan at Backlash or um, at uh, not Backlash at uh, nothing good ever Roadblock. happened at Backlash. The one bef- the one before WrestleMania where he faced Undertaker. Uh, let's see what other honestly uh, the match he had with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31 was really good before yep. Seth came in. That yep. was a really good one. I think that was uh, I think- the Braun Strowman. You said Braun Strowman. The Braun Strowman ones. I mean, that was some of his I think best stuff. You, you stole my answers totally. Yeah, it was that one. I, I thought but you already like, said it. I literally, like, I know you so well, Nick. I, I thought you had already said the Braun Strowman matches. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it was the one that Seth cashed in on, him and Brock Lesnar at Mania, oh. and then the ambulance crashing into the truck uh, with yeah. uh, Braun Strowman. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, all of those, all that whole feud throughout the summer with Braun Strowman, was, I think, was probably his best work of his yeah. solo career so far. Yep. I'd agree. Um, also, his match with Finn Balor, I remember being really good, too. I don't even remember that one. Yeah, I remember being good. All right. So, I agree. I agree, though. He's a, he's a good worker. He can, he's very smooth. He can work with a lot of people. You know, there's a reason why he was the prototype. Yeah. It's just the, the way he was pushed, not the work he was doing. Right. And the, now that they're letting him just be kind of more Joe, I think that's why he's as over as he is. Yeah. Thanks, Billy, for the question. Next up, Kane. Uh, all I ever hear is RoboCop 2 and that Kane. Anyway, we all I hear JR. That's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane. <laughs> we all know of Cesaro's in-ring abilities, but what do you think he needs to do to achieve that breakthrough with his character that takes him to the next level? To me, he's always been missing the it factor. Uh, I don't see him as a main draw. His music and, it's, and his attire has never to me said, I'm a star. Uh, and in wrestling, these things are just as important as your character, as your in-ring abilities are. Just look at Drew McIntyre. He has the look and the size. The music can cut a great promo, promo great in-ring abilities. Oh, wait. That's still not enough to get him over and win when it matters. Guess you can have it all, but if Vince isn't drinking. So the question here is, what do you think needs uh, Cesaro needs to achieve to break through with his character and take him to the next level? Uh, well, for one thing... I think he has to get his braces off, which he just did, by the way. Oh, right. Congrats. Uh, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a teeth, his teeth is his back. 
Um, so that's that's going to help because here's the thing. Cesaro, one of the things Cesaro has always been struggling with is his promos. And part of that's the accent. Part of that's the language. When you speak seven languages, it's hard to remember what language you're speaking in. Um, but he's also, I would say, above average even in that. I, I've heard him cut some good promos. And when he's passionate, he's quite good there too. Um, there is a presence issue. And I think that that's something that that his work with Seamus has helped him with. I think that being with Seamus, some of that's rubbed off on Cesaro because Seamus absolutely is a guy that goes out and has a presence, feels like a superstar. And I think that's rubbed off a little bit on Cesaro. Um, I don't like the tracksuit and the weird like green star entrance thing that they got him with right now. I mean, it's <laughs> generic Tron A. <laughs> is what I is. honestly thought that they were doing the right thing with the James Bond entrance and the ripoff um, suit. But just the, the the music still sucked. Yeah. But I thought that was the right way to go. Is kind of go for like a transporter Jason Statham kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but with Cesaro, yeah, it's just those ephemerals. I, I think it's just uh, that that indescribable something that he just doesn't quite have. Like I don't think he's ever going to be the main draw for a company. I, I th- really don't. Well, I think having him come out originally as like a uh, a, a goon. For Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter didn't do him any favors. No, so, uh, that just buried him for a couple of years. That that whole thing went on, and now then teaming him, then he didn't really do much, and then teaming him up with Cesaro, you know, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Sheamus actually brought him to the forefront as they held the tag championships for uh, several times. So I mean, it's probably the best thing that happened to him, and yeah. that's and that's you admitting that two singles wrestlers coming together formed a great tag team. Oh God, I just um, did it, didn't I? Jesus Christ! Yeah, you did. Because every I, once I didn't in a while, it does say work. that they became a great tag team. I said that they but won they the were titles a couple of times. But they were a great tag team. They were one of the they best en- tag teams in WWE for three years. They ended up being one of the better tag teams. Yes, I, I will agree with you there. Absolutely, and I mean the only thing I think Cesaro needs is just to be allowed to go out there and work at his full ability. Because I think that just his physical attributes alone will get him over enough that he will have that confidence coming out. People will be giving him the reaction that then you know, he can feed off of. Yeah. I've seen it happen in some of the matches with the bar. So that's, I know that sounds like <laughs> very, very strange, but it, I think that's what it, what it would be. Yeah. Thank you very much for the question there, Kane. Next up, Sean. I feel like I'm punished for being a good viewer. Video packages about what I watched last week, similar storylines, just switching one character, similar finishes, etc. What would you do to make a product that can recap but doesn't make me feel like a dunce watching it more often than not? Put over for the road. You guys are fantastic. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, brother. Um, What would we do uh, to recap but still tell something fresh every week? Um, I think recaps are an important part of especially a live TV experience. So you have to remember not everybody watches every single week. Unfortunately, there are uh, the large percentage that do, but they need to maintain the, the, you're always in customer acquisition mode. Think about it like you're a corporation. You're, you're not growing if you're not getting new business. So if you're always in customer acquisition mode, you always have to be assuming there's going to be new people showing up that aren't going to understand your product or know what's been going on. So you have to recap it. The shit they've been doing with Roman Reigns, though, is absurd. Showing it five times. Five times on Raw. In one one episode of Raw. 
We saw that thing yeah. five times. That's absurd. And I, and I think that's, that's part of the issue. And I, and I agree with the idea of being a good viewer and, and kind of being punished for it. Yeah. Um, they're, they're going too hard into the new viewer market or the people who've missed a couple of weeks. It used to be that if you missed a week, the commentary would help catch you up. Yeah. Right? They would just say, oh, well, he did this and he did that, and that's why we're having this match while the match was getting underway. And that was just how you led into the match during all the rest hold segment. So it's, it was, honestly, I kind of prefer that in some ways. Like, if you want to show a 30-second video package of some of the highlights of it, great. But don't take five, ten damn minutes multiple times to reshow these packages. Or if you're going like, to picture and picture it, don't make the match that's actually happening right now the, the tiny little screen while you show me a giant replay of yeah. something I already know about. That's I, I get hung up yeah, on that. I, if you want to do a video package, do it before a match on a pay-per-view yeah. and have it recap the whole feud to that point. Because those are great and those work and those get me invested in those matches. But I don't need to know everything that happened in the my most minute detail before this one match on TV. I don't it's watch SmackDown to find out everything that happened on Raw last night. Like, you don't have uh, to again, show... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you hit on the head though, Nick, where there's a balance. Like they're yeah. trying to acquire customers and if if you miss a week or two, you do want to be, you know, kind to those people, but at the same time, you know, if you are someone who watches every week, it's it it sucks and it's going to get old and frankly, one of the ways you get people to watch every week is I can't miss this because if I miss this, I'm not going to be caught up. I'm not going to know what's going on. Whereas now I can miss three weeks, and I'll know they're going to recap the hell out of me. So I'll be I'll be right back where I should be. They used to and end I know that that's Smackdown. tough to do in this era of you know all the media attention. Like you can go watch YouTube, and there's all these different ways to watch it and everything. Like the attention spans are short. You know, I, I'm shocked that people can actually sit here in our chat for our two and a half hour shows. And props to you guys for doing so. But that's kind of my point: is that there's got to be a balance there on this. Yeah. And and the Roman stuff, absolutely, it's going way too overboard. I I can remember on SmackDown in the Attitude Era, Stone Cold would come out and just, or The Rock would just beat the something crazy would happen at the end of the show, and bang, you just cut. And you're like, oh my god, I, what? And you have to Sting, wait. Sting whole, is in the rafters. We're out of time. Yeah, we we gotta go. <laughs> and he's we like, gotta go. Shit, I gotta wait a whole week to find out what just what's gonna happen next. Jesus, nope. This time they're showing you recaps. They're giving you the cliff notes. They're giving you social media and YouTube videos for 10 videos a day of everything that happened previously on Raw. And I'm, just, I'm going, yeah. oh, God, so much content. And it's, they wonder why their ratings are down. Yeah. Oh, you're putting all the content watch, on the I interwebs. Can, you, don't, you don't have yeah. to watch the show anymore. That probably, probably might be why they're not as in panic mode about it as I think a lot of people think they are. Yeah. So They might be making more money on YouTube ad revenue at this point than actual ratings. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much, Sean. Great point, great question. Love that one. Uh, next up, Andy, the champ. The champ is here. Uh, if you look at the Sami Zayn heel promos earlier this year and the promo Baron Corbin did on Monday, plus what Corey Graves was saying about him in commentary, is Vince basically giving us a big F you before he leaves in whatever capacity that looks like? Hmm. Vince leaves? Vince ain't going anywhere. I don't think Vince is leaving. Vince is dying in the no. chair. He said it multiple times. They have yeah. a president of XFL that's going to run everything, allegedly. Yeah, Vince has already set up the XFL so he can, yeah. he, you know, he can still run WWE, Sasha Banks, WWE, and have XFL going at the same time. 
Um, he probably will step back a little bit, but he's not going away by any stretch. This is about as important uh, a few months as he's had in WWE in the last 10 years, 15 years with everything that's happening in October, box deal, AW, everything else. Um, I don't think Vince is giving anyone a big FU. I think he genuinely thinks that Baron Corbin gets real heat. Um, and that's why he's pushing him as hard as he does. Yeah. So, because Corbin does get heat. The crowd hates him. When is it going to turn to go away heat, though? When is it going to turn to, you know, we don't. It's already there. It's just. I think it was there earlier this year with the Constable Corbin stuff, but I think it's, it might be coming back around to just like, Jesus Christ, we hate this guy. (laughs) Well, we'll see. I think Vince has his opinion, and that's why Corbin's out there on the mic. Yeah. If Corbin wins King of the Ring, then yeah, I think That's Vince does believe that 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 Corbin's getting real heat, frankly. Um, and why else would they have him be the one to beat Kurt Angle? Sure. So, if he wins, if he wins King, King of the Ring, I don't think it's an fu. I think that's Vince thinking that he's a creative genius. And here's a video and package the of the promo heel. that Baron cut on Raw, and we'll be back in ten minutes. I'm kidding. How how awful would our show be if we did that? Like if we played a, if we played a five minute clip of our show from last week just so that you could hear us talk about something this that way that's a mess. Like if you think our about show it, is long enough as it is, Nick, right. we don't need to get that as well. Speaking of which, already, thank you, Champ, for the question there. Next up, yes, Patrick. Sir. Thank you, Champ. Do you think with Jericho leading the charge in AEW and the Miz getting involved in the IC title again, do you think this is the beginning of Miz breaking Jericho's record? Uh, nine intercontinental titles to sort of stick it to him. I don't know if it's to stick it to Jericho. It'll be a nice it's side du- effect. It's WWE. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, oh, it okay, absolutely. Would be. Vince is absolutely that petty. <laughs> is absolutely that petty. New Day breaking Demolition's record wasn't because he had faith in New Day, although he has faith in New Day. It was just they were convenient. They were there, and Demolition was suing him. Yeah. So Jericho is sticking it to him by going to AEW. So Vince is like, well, you're, I, I see that name Jericho in my record books there. And every time people go and look at WWE records, they see that name Jericho. I'm going to erase that from the record books. Yeah. We'll, so, we'll revisionist history that right out of there at some point. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now, if Miz done, does win this IC belt, even if he loses it right away, especially, especially if he loses it again right away, if Miz wins that belt again... We, uh, Patrick, yes. It's, if he wins it, I think it's a thank you to Miz, frankly. But the, the timing of it, yes. I, I, I think that there, there's a large part of it that's absolutely sticking it to Jericho. Yeah, totally. Thank you very much for the question, Patrick. Last but certainly not least, Esme, stand in bear. She says, hello, mother lovers. <laughs> Hi. With NXT becoming more of a third brand, will we see a superstar shakeup? In the future with NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. Shuffling the deck with all three shows and having NXT people go to Maine and others down to NXT. Hmm. Uh, To answer that really quickly, yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. The rumor right now on uh, Wrestling Observer is that they are planning on having another draft uh, before October with the the SmackDown, Raw, uh, excuse me, Fox debut. Um. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if NXT was thrown into that mix. And it would actually be telling if they are going to really consider it a third brand or if they're going to still let NXT be somewhat autonomous 
and really have a NXT be a standalone weapon to face off against AEW, yeah. or if, how much Vince is going to be, you know, having control in NXT. That being said, if NXT was free to poach some uh, mainstream stars or some uh, main roster stars, I could get behind that. That would be very they, they, interesting. If they did it like a true it, draft and you had William Regal drafting main roster people to come over to NXT, why, okay, I, I'm going to need a minute. That's, that, that's what I'm that saying. That could get really interesting really quick. Yeah, a legit third brand on the level with Raw and SmackDown. Okay, doing a draft. Okay. Yeah. When is that? Do you have any info For on sure. when that draft is supposed to happen? Or you just uh, last week of September is what the rumor is. But who knows? It could even be the first couple of weeks in October. Wow. Depending on if they, if they think it will uh, draw ratings. If Fox executives announcing the picks. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Rupert, Rupert Murdoch flies in to pick no. the number one draft to SmackDown. Oh, God, no. Uh, thank you very much for the questions. Thank you, Esme, for that last one. And thank you guys all for being wonderful patrons and supporters of the show. If you'd like to get on, on get in on this every single week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers and get yours in. But Ian, we're not done yet. Good Lord, we've been going for three hours now. We got just enough time for our other news. Lightning round! Beep, 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 beep. Oh, it's got to be quick, so I have to leave for work in three minutes. Whoops. PWI released its top 500. Uh, I obviously don't have time to go through all 500, but number one, Seth Rollins this year. It's a kayfabe list. It's just about who has had the best year in kayfabe. And frankly, having gone down the list and checked it out, I'll, I'll post a link in the Facebook discussion group. Uh, it's all over the place. It's kind of nonsense. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it's a little bit ridiculous. So uh, I'm not going to say more than that other than it will be in the Facebook discussion group. Go check it out there. Tony Schiavone to AEW is confirmed. You heard it here last week. We thought uh, Shivani was he was in discussions about other places. Uh, it is official. He will be the third member of their broadcast team. Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Shivani. That is a broadcast team. Yes. I am looking forward to hearing those play calls. Amazing. He's also going to be involved in production as well, uh, and he's got a good wrestling mind. So nice to see Tony Shivani over in AEW. He will still be working for MLW as well. Um, there has been a rumor that The Fiend will be getting a universal title shot at Hell in a Cell. They are already advertising that he'll be facing the winner of uh, Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman and some early advertisements for Hell in a Cell uh, for people who are buying tickets to the event. Frankly, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. If so. Braun Strowman uh, versus The Fiend. They should absolutely not have The Fiend be going for the universal title. Agreed. Full, full stop. Full stop. Uh, they're, WWE. They're, they're not keeping it in their pants. They agreed to keep it in their pants, and they're not keeping it in their pants. Put it back in yes, your pants. Put it away. <laughs> Don't be Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, WWE allegedly, this, there's a rumor that came out in the last couple of days, allegedly talked to Enzo and Cass about an NXT return. Um, that rumor was squashed earlier today. Either it never happened or WWE wasn't interested. Whatever it was, it's not happening. If you heard this rumor going around, Enzo and Cass are not going to NXT at least not in the near future. Uh, the 2020 uh, New Japan G1 will be moving to the fall because Japan has the 2020 Summer Olympics and they can't run the G1 while the Summer Olympics are going on. So if you enjoyed the G1 this year, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the next one because of those pesky Olympics. Damn it! Uh, speaking, speaking of New Japan, 
Kat Siori Shibata's profile has been added back to the roster page. Now, this doesn't mean anything yet. They're not saying he's going to be back in action, but they have said that he might be. They're not sure if he's going to be involved in uh, in getting back at Kenta for the attack on him at the G1 Finals, or if he's going to be back in LA at the LA Dojo training up more people to come into New Japan. I don't, so, I do not but want. But it's still interesting. Do not want. In, interesting, interesting. Shibata comeback would be on the level, if not higher, than a Daniel Bryan comeback. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, Mako Satomura will challenge Jordan Grace for her Progress Women's Championship on September 15th. So if you are a fan of Jordan Grace or Mako Satomura after this year's May Young Classic, you can check that out at Progress's next big show. Ken Shamrock will be facing Moose in Impact Wrestling. They've been, uh, they had a bit of a Twitter feud going on for the last week or so. And it culminated in announcing that Ken Shamrock is returning. I'll be facing Moose at some Impact TV tapings in Las Vegas. Hope that ends up in uh, some consistent work for Ken Shamrock. Saw him recently uh, when I was down at Double or Nothing in Vegas. Dude is still an absolute unit. He's a beast. The guy's still terrifying looking. And could probably kick my ass from 15 feet away. Uh, Billy Corgan has announced that NWA will start TV tapings this uh, fall. We knew that, but it's specifically... We have the dates and the location now. It will be at the Georgia Public Broadcasting Studios, and the first two days will be September 30th and October 1st. So if you are in the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, you can get yourself some tickets and be a part of the first TV tapings for NWA. Uh, Rev Pro is having their Summer Sizzler pay-per-view. That's tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, featured matches, Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki versus Kazuchika Okada and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hmm. Plus a career versus control of Rev Pro match, uh, Will Osprey versus David Starr. Whoa! Yeah. What? So I think this is fairly straightforward. Osprey's going to Japan, going to New Japan full time. So David Starr is going to take over uh, Rev Pro. That I think is what it's going to be. David Starr is definitely baller. on the upswing. Uh, there's a there's an indie wrestler. Speaking of that question earlier, we had that um, is pretty solid. I think he's just he courts political controversy. I think I think a little bit too much for my taste, but. Definitely a big indie wrestler to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Phoenix, speaking of, of uh, indie wrestlers, who's now going big, Phoenix of the Lucha Brothers messed up his leg at a show this week. Uh, he actually, let's see. He was in a match uh, who's facing Juventud uh, Guerrera and Teddy Hart. It was in big time wrestling. And it was doing a normal move. He, let, he, uh, he super kicked Hart. And uh, then just collapsed after he was trying to pick up Guerrera. And I guess he sprained his leg or something. We're not really sure what it was. People thought it was a break, possibly. They ended the match quickly. But uh, Taya Valkyrie initially tweeted out that he was okay. Apparently, it's just sore, but he should be able to work uh, Saturday night at All Out. So, fingers crossed for Phoenix. The guy keeps getting like what seems to be really nasty injuries and then bouncing right back. Guy's a freak. But uh, hope he's okay and hope he stays okay because he's amazing. Uh, in sad news, if you watched the uh, Total Bellas, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella's dog Josie has passed away. Mm. Um, as as mutual dog owners Nick and myself, I'm, I'm sure Nick, you feel from you you feel me when uh, that one that one hurts. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, and, and I frankly, I did watch the show and I love the dog. I, I have a, a you know a, a strong. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? I love Frenchies. I love bulldogs in general. So uh, right. just seeing, I I kind of love that dog. Just watching the yeah. show. 
So, yeah, that sucks. Sorry, guys. Sucks big time. So uh, condolences to them. Yeah. Uh, but in happy news, it is a month of, of, of marriages and, and apparently not consummating them, at least in Drake Maverick's case. But <laughs> Peyton Royce and Sean Spears got hitched. They got married. Uh, as we mentioned before, Becky and Seth got engaged. And Finn Balor tweeted out a little picture of a jungle and, like, right in the middle – couple of people in what looked like wedding attire I, th- I think finn went and got married to veronica rodriguez on his break as we speculated that he would yeah uh with his hashtag forever uh forever pals or something like that so yeah i think finn went and got married as well so lots of nuptials uh and finally cm punk cm punk no we're not saying anything about him coming out at aew this week because i don't even want to speculate on that he will be at starcast he will be at StarCast, uh, but I don't know if he will be at, uh, at AEW's All Out. But he will be in your movie theaters this fall. He's coming out in a horror movie called The Girl on the Third Floor. Good early reviews, albeit there's only 13 of them, but it does have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you, uh, you want to know about horror movies, you can listen to my podcast, Horror Palooza, starting in October. This will be one of the movies I am reviewing for that show. And Nick, that is... Of the news. If you if you go see that movie, do you chance CM Punk for the whole two hours of the film while you're in the theater? <laughs> just annoy, just to annoy people. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a fun. Just see how long it takes to get kicked out of the theater. Best in the world. Yeah. Best in CM Punk. Or just hold CM a boombox up playing Living Color. <laughs> <laughs> it's clobbering time. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. That is our show for today. Thank you very much uh, to those watching live as well for to being patient with us at the beginning with our gremlins. Sir Ian Dangerous, I apologize for making you late to work as well, but hopefully the boss will wildly you. late to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, guys, we got All Out and the UK Takeover this weekend. To be sure that I will have channels set up uh, in the Discord for live chats for those. Remember, we don't have Facebook live chats anymore. They took them out of the group. They took them away. Shame on them. Everything's in Discord right now. So make sure you go to the Facebook discussion group. Join us there, but you can also find the link at the pinned at the very top of the group over to the Discord server to get in. I promise it's much better, and you guys will have a good time. Uh, but we will have channels dedicated to live chats there so we can keep everything spoiler-free for everybody else. Oh, goodness. Uh, let's see. Facebook, yes. Discord, yes. You want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube where it looks like Nick is going to be set free from having to sing Nia Jax's theme song at karaoke because we are currently standing at 306 Subscribers, I first want to say thank you very much for getting us over the 300 hump. It's now the race to 400. How quickly can we get it done? Because we're down to a month. We're down to about five weeks. You guys got about 35, 36 days to pull this off. And the numbers shot up after last week's episode. Let's keep it going. Thousands and thousands and thousands of you out there listening. We just need about like 650 more of you to come in and just push a button. That's all it takes. And you can get Sir Ian Dangerous to sing Tai Chi's entrance music and song at karaoke and film it for all of YouTube to see. If we get to 1,000 YouTube subscribers by October 4th when SmackDown airs on Fox. It's going to hurt, but it will be worth it. Yeah. 
The easiest way to do that is get in on our Gleam giveaway. Just if you're all following us everywhere and subscribed everywhere, you just check the boxes, confirm that you are, and you get random entries into our monthly merch drawing. We'll be doing a next one, uh, another one in September as well. We'll be mixing up the combinations of things, though. So uh, pay attention when you're doing that. But you got a couple of days left here to get in on the one for August before we generate the drawing and see who wins. So make sure you get in on that. Uh, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Nick. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. I'm sorry, guys. Sasha Banks. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. My God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.